Lauren and RJ, The Frangie Show, starts now on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hey, welcome in, guys, along for the ride on this Wednesday installment of the program. Day two from the Combine, the uh, NFL Scouting Combine. Frank Frangie and Hayes Carlion with you. Mia O'Brien will be along a little bit later on. Uh, RJ Saunders back at World Headquarters. Lauren Brooks has the week off. She'll be back with us next week but uh day two fast and furious uh just like day one it is our our first uh day with the players uh so that was a lot of fun defensive ends uh defensive linemen coming through today and so uh fun seeing them and and you can feel the the buzz is is building uh the quarterbacks are now here in the facility uh you know they'll they'll be uh meeting with the media in a couple of days but, uh, but the Combine, it, it's sort of a, a progression of excitement as the week goes on and you get closer to on-field drills and, and things like that. Uh, but, yeah, I thought obviously a great day for the Seminoles today. I mean, just a reflection of Man. the program that Mike Norvell has built. Um, some outstanding ambassadors today for FSU. Uh, Mia caught up with Jared Verse. I, uh, you know, but Deloach was here, love it, Bethune, uh, just uh, uh, Fist, just uh, a tremendous contingent of Knowles today, and uh, and they all represented themselves very well, and I think are going to make some teams very happy. Think about this. Five Knowles were here today, and all we had were linemen and linebackers. Yeah. I mean, think, I mean five of them. Five, I mean, five, five Knowles rolled in today, and we only had a couple positions. I mean, if you ever, you ever want to know – how how good FSU was last year. You know, it's a shame. I was thinking about this, seeing all these guys come through here today that it's really a shame the way, I mean, this has been talked about ad nauseum, that this FSU season, it didn't go for naught. They had an undefeated season, and they, and they deserve all the accolades in the world for that, and the bowl game is what it was. But what a collection of special FSU players, talented players, a season for the ages, and it all blows up because the quarterback got hurt and the, and the committee didn't have enough respect for him to put him in a tournament after the quarterback got hurt. What, what a weird scenario. It really was. Uh, and, again, in a game that Florida State, although they got off to a slow start, but against an opponent that, you know, they, you would think they would have won by six or seven touchdowns, and they ultimately did. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, just uh, uh, probably one of the most amazing dominoes to fall. Uh, that we've seen in recent college football history. And, and it, it unfortunately ended up derailing their season through no fault of their own. Right, that's the thing. And, uh, yeah, but, but they've got such a, you know, again, th- they should be very proud of the, uh, of the players that they have sent here, that they're sending to the NFL. I think it's going to be a lot of fun for FSU fans to follow these guys' career because, I mean, I, I think you've got some stars in here and some underrated prospects, but – I think Verse, Verse is one of my favorite players in the draft. I think yeah, he is yeah. going to be sensational. Uh, again, I'd, I'd love it if he was a Jaguar at 17. I, I think it's an easy sell, particularly when, you know, Trent, Trent Baalke's talked yesterday about Trayvon Walker is going to move around a little bit. They're going to, Ryan Nielsen is going to make him more of a chess piece. Uh, well, you know, it, 
you could you could justify it regardless. Even if Mike Caldwell was still the DC, you still need more there than than what they currently have because you know Chase on Smoot, you know, didn't give them much this year, and they're probably not going to be on the team. So uh, you could certainly justify it anyway, but you can definitely justify it if Trayvon Walker is going to be moving way more inside. And, I mean, again, I, I don't think Jared Verse will be there, but I think he is going to be an NFL star. All right, so we'll talk about uh, what's coming up today. A lot of the uh, a lot of the players that, that have come through here again. Prospects started today. It was the NFL day yesterday, and then today the prospects started coming through. So you'll be again, five Knowles. Five Knowles were here today. Jared Verse, Fabian Lovett, Bethune, Deloach, Fisk were all uh, in the house today, and you'll hear from some of those guys later on in the program. We do a fun thing. I was telling Joe about this at the handoff. One of the fun things I do is when I get together with my buddies from the AFC South, Mike Keith is the play-by-play voice of the Titans, Mark Vandermeer, who you'll also hear later on the program, play-by-play voice of the Texans, Matt Taylor calls the games for the Colts. Um, all four of us get together for this round. We do about an hour, and uh, you'll see it. Uh, Mia's going to have it up on social channels later, but you'll hear part of that on the radio show today, and, and I'm very excited about that. And uh, I can tell you, some of the other divisions are going to start doing it because they saw us do it. No, mm-hmm. no one else has done this. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of Mike Keith and I kind of came up with the idea, and nobody else has done it. But uh, And, again, you'll hear a snippet of it today, but Mia's got almost the whole thing coming up later on in the program, I mean lo- later on in the day on, on our social channels. That was really a cool thing connected with those guys. That's awesome. I can't wait to hear it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, look, the AFC South has gone from being – a division that didn't generate a lot of national buzz to, I mean, now it's one of the most intriguing ones with obviously C.J. Stroud and what they've done in Houston. And the Colts had a very fine season considering Richardson didn't play very much. Uh, Chris Ballard, the Colts GM, did meet with uh, the media about two hours ago here. So there were still some coaches and executives that made today their day to meet. He said uh, Anthony Richardson's doing great. He's very happy with where he's at in his recovery. So that's that's good news for Anthony Richardson. And uh, and look, I mean, Tennessee is is had a great run. They're now rebuilding. But look, I mean, I can't I, I'm not going to sit here and say the Titans are going to be down for three or four years because right. I thought that of the Texans. And I kind of thought point. the Colts were going to go through that. And they really didn't, to their credit. And obviously the Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence and uh, and, and the skill players that the Jaguars have, uh, you know, there's excitement there. So it really is a fantastic division. Uh, and I'm curious to see how much primetime love it gets uh, in this coming regular season. But, yeah, I'll certainly look forward to uh, hearing what those guys had to say about their respective clubs. The, uh, and I think Mike Keith and I talked about this yesterday on the program. I think it's safe to say, collectively, since there's been a South, remember there was the AFC Central and the divisions have changed, but since there's been an AFC, a four-team AFC South, this is the best it's ever been collectively. Would you agree with that? I would, because I think if you look at the Texans could certainly win 10 games next year, the Jaguars could do it. I, I think that you'd have to give the Colts a decent chance. And, uh, you know, again, Tennessee, it doesn't, it doesn't look like much is going to be expected of them. But uh, but they do have a lot of salary cap space. They you know if if they're right about Levis, then you know maybe they can be more competitive than what people think. But look, if you've got three good div- teams in a division, you got a heck of a division. That's right. That's right. And and, and that's and and you're right. And, and it makes it. Here's what's weird. Anytime you have that, the fourth team seems to be competitive because it has to be. You ever notice that? Mm-hmm. When you have three good teams, you wind up having a fourth good team, so we'll see that. All right, a lot of things to get to today in the program. Any stars of the comedy prospects to jump up the page I'll tell you, you? It, it was an amazing day seeing those uh, that Texas defensive line tandem yep. of uh, Tavondre Sweat 
and uh, Byron Murphy. I mean, it, it is – Murphy had, I thought, the best frame of yeah. anybody I saw here. There's two uh, big guys. Tr- Murphy, tremendous frame. Uh, and then Sweat was a little later. He's hilarious. Uh, you know, there was questions, Give us a questions about his weight. You know, he looked good to me. I mean, he didn't look, uh, you know, overly heavy at all. Uh, and he was very lighthearted about it. He did say, uh, I'm going to do all the workouts, uh, all the all the drills here, so you guys don't have to ask me about that. And then somebody said, what do you think you'll run the 40 in? And he was like, I think like 4-4-5. <laughs> I mean, so uh, he was fantastic and, uh, and, and funny. That's really Kind of funny. funny throughout. And uh, so, yeah, he's a guy that – that I'm pulling for, but you see Sweat and Murphy, and it's like no wonder the Longhorns were so dominant right. on defense. I mean, right. they have two just legit NFL prospects. So, I uh, yeah, that was really cool to see. And uh, yeah, I, but I really thought I really thought the Knowles were the the star of the show today. Yeah, and there's so many of them. What did you think of What did you think of some of the the, the FSU players that you spoke with? I'm going to ask me about first. She was here for the first thing today. It, it was cool just to hear kind of their their journey to bringing the program right. back because Deloach and Lovett it had been there and uh, and and to hear you know them kind of tell those stories and uh, and things like that. And Bethune you know was more of a of a later arrival, but I uh, they really had something special. I mean that is a team that. I think, you know, on 20-year anniversary, when they had 10-year anniversary, 25-year anniversary, uh, when, when Florida State brings that group back uh, to honor them in future years, I, I, I think that is going to be a, a group of players that remains exceptionally close to uh, the campus, the fans, and the coaching staff, and the Knoll community. All right, two, of the things to bring, two or three other things to bring up that are not related to the combine or football, but I want to hit on these things. Um, Kudos to Ken Babby, the owner of the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp in the city. Mayor Deegan was out there. They celebrated uh, the announcement of almost $32 million of renovations uh, to the baseball grounds to Bregan Field down there, um, which I think is really a cool thing. Uh, Ken's going to join us on the program next week, Ken Babby, the owner of the Jumbo Shrimp. The, uh, he's, he, they made some media rounds today, and they did the presser today. But I don't want it just to get lost in the NFL stuff. You know what I mean? Sure. I'd rather – and, and I talked to Ken today and I talked to some of the folks at the Jumbo Shrimp. said, so let's do this next week when we can really focus on, on what's going on. It's before the players. It's after the combine. It's that week in between. And because $31.2 million, or $31.8 million, have you seen some of the what they're going to do? I mean, I have – my first thought was, I mean, I love the park now. Yes. So I can yeah. only imagine how spectacular it's going to be. With these renovations. Well, a lot of it's in the center field and right field kind of pavilions areas. It's going to be really neat. There's going to be a team store. There's going to be an open-ended bar. It's going to be fantastic. You can hold events out there. So they've done a lot. And we'll talk more about that later on today. I'll touch on it. But then really have Ken come on uh, next week. So I'm looking forward to that. So we've got a lot of things to do. And i got a Gator basketball game tonight. I think yeah, the Gators are going to win. I think we've got JU and UNF games that are absolutely critical tonight, and we'll certainly talk about all those. So we've got a lot of college hoops to talk about that comes up tonight. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the baseball uh, grounds, getting a, a much-needed facelift. Uh, and I want to touch on that, and then we'll expound on it with Ken Babby next week. But the main thing is we're here for football. The play-by-play voices of the Texans, Titans, and Colts join me in a moment. We did a roundtable that we hope you enjoy. We'll focus this little snippet on, on quarterbacks in the division because I think that's what's most important. We'll talk about that. We've got a lot of other stuff to get to. Uh, bottom of the hour, uh, Mia will join us, talk a little bit about what her impressions were. In the 4 o'clock hour, you'll hear from Mark Vandermeer. Our friend Ryan O'Halloran will stop by. 
Uh, all that coming up. Joe Cullen, the former defensive line, because we're loaded up as always when we come to the Combine. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. 1010XL takes you to the NFL Scouting Combine. Hodges Mazda presents the Frangie Show, live from Indy. Brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida. Frank Frangie Hayes, Carlion, Lauren Brooks on vacation, R.J. Saunders back at World Headquarters, Mia O'Brien on the road with us. She will join us in about 10 to 12 minutes or so. But one of the fun things I do is get together with the other play-by-play voices of the division. Mike Keith from the Titans, Mark Vandermeer from the Houston Texans, Matt Taylor from the Indianapolis Colts. We do a little roundtable. You'll see all of that on our social channels coming up a little bit later on. But for now, a little snippet on the radio show. And I began this part of the conversation talking about the quarterbacks in the division. Let me go to quarterbacks because I think I think our division with quarterbacks is fascinating. Uh, we like our guy. Uh, he, he had a tough year last year. He played through an ankle, a knee, a shoulder, a concussion. He really did. Yeah. It, was, it was a hard year. I still and, love it. Yeah, he, I think he's going to be so good. But I love where we are. I, I told you guys this story last year when we did this. I caught a college game two years ago, and I, we had the off week, so I had Ohio State, Maryland. And so I went to College Park, Maryland, did the college game. And I saw Stroud, and also saw Talia Tungavailoa, the little two his little brother, who was yep. very good. Right, it's like a 38, 35 game. But I remember thinking, God, is that guy good? Mm-hmm. And I told you guys this. I thought I thought he was better than Bryce Young. It's easy to say that now, but we we had this conversation. Yeah, the way he saw the field, some of the throws he made, you don't make at the college level. So I'm not, I wasn't shocked, Mark, that, that he turned out to be what he was. I, I'm not surprised. I think it sounds like it's easy to say now, but I, but I sure. told you last year, I was not surprised that C.J. Stroud became all that. So let's go around the room. You guys go around. I want you to go first because you got the guy. Did you think he would be that good? What's he like to deal with? Um, tell me about And I'm going to ask you about Anthony, too, sure. who I do know a little bit. But let's start with you. Tell me all about C.J. Stroud because he's a cool story and a great player. Well, I had no idea he'd be this good, all right, this good, this early, or maybe ever. I don't. I didn't know what to expect. You never know with these guys, yeah. right? I thought he'd be pretty good, and I thought – I had high hopes for Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator. Yeah. I thought they'd organize a good system. The quarterback could be successful enough. I thought they'd run the ball a lot better, and he'd feed off that. First time I meet C.J. Stroud, he said, he said well, all right, what's your name? He wanted it again. What do you do here? You know, he wanted to know. But this is like D'Amico was when he was a rookie. He wanted to understand people in the organization who were around him and what everybody did because that's the kind of person he is in a professional environment. And Ohio State is a very professional environment. And these college teams, they'll have pro personnel departments now, so they're basically pro teams. So he comes in and he fits right in. And you see the guy. He's very genuine. He and Will Anderson on draft night, that was real special. And they bookended it with the NFL honors, winning offensive and defensive rookie of the year. Anyway, as CJ starts to play, we could see it, and we talked about this week two against the Colts. We lost the game, but he throws for well over 300, and you're thinking, he's making a lot of throws. He can play. And then we beat the Jags down there in lopsided fashion, and I thought, okay, this guy's good. And then we blow out the Steelers at home, and I thought, okay, we've got our guy. And I didn't know where it was going to go from there. We lost to Atlanta, but he played pretty well. Uh, We had a bad game against Carolina on the road, but I thought, I I never worried about that. That was a hiccup. Then when we beat Tampa Bay, the way he did that, leading him downfield in 45-ish seconds, 
uh, and, and hitting it. Ten seconds to go, he's snapping the ball and, and hitting Tank Dell for the game winner. I thought, this is it. So all throughout the year, he kept getting better, too. What do we always say? you got to improve. No matter who you are, you got to get better. He kept getting better. And then I thought, when he got the concussion, it was actually, I don't want to call it blessing in disguise, but I think being off his feet, being out of the building for a, a week or two, just clear, you know, clearing his head, I hate to use that terminology, but just... Sure. enabling his body to yeah, heal while right. his brain was getting better his body's healing too and then we had a fan fantastic finish really but lost to the ravens so uh i i had no idea frank but i like what i'm seeing yeah. <laughs> this and, is and, very good and you should tell me now anthony richardson is a wonderful kid he's got to stay on the field right i no mean I, th I think that would be the question no tell doubt. me about getting to know him a little bit and what are your expectations well i have similar experiences as mark i mean he is he just turned 21 he's 21 yeah. years old in, in may and you talk about all the expectations the face of a franchise now you're the, the the marketing face of an nfl team and you played 13 games coming out of out of college and he was sensational in the first month of the season, oh, yeah. you know, that that first yeah. that that week two game that Mark alluded to. I mean, Anthony Richardson is is he's making people miss. I mean, he had he had four rushing touchdowns in the first four games of the season. Right. Um, obviously, he goes down in week five. Uh, if you look at the totality of the season, he played one hundred and seventy three snaps, which is about 15 percent of the overall offensive snaps for the season. So there's no question that when he comes back next year, he's going to have to kind of retool his rookie season. But what I told Mark yesterday was when you watched him in OTAs, when you watched him in spring, when you watched him in training camp, rarely did he not go to the right place with the football. I think that's the thing that surprised me the most with Anthony Richardson is that he's a much better passer. He's more accurate than I thought he would be. He's more calm in the pocket than I thought he would be. But the Colts don't want this past season and this experience with him getting banged up because he had the concussion, he had the ankle, so right. he missed a lot of time. He had like four injuries in four games. He only completed one game, 60 minutes full, one time. That was the week four game, I think, against the Rams. But what they don't want to do to Anthony Richardson is curb his playing style. They don't want to change what he does and what makes him special. But the contrarians around town are saying you got to teach him to slide right. and you got to protect him better. Well, let me jump in, Matt, because the play he was injured on that ended the season. That was that was nothing out it of was the norm. An, it was an innocuous. Right. Very much so. I mean, Harold Landry didn't hit him dirty. 100%. Or it right. wasn't. I mean, he just got tackled. He landed he was, on the he shoulder. He landed yeah. on the shoulder. Right. And that that would worry me. Yeah, you know, because it, if if he'd been hit or bent in an unusual way, or right. I yeah. mean, sometimes you see the injuries, say, "Well, that's weird. That's yeah. why that happened." This was just a normal play, right? And you don't want to take anything away from his ability to be special because right. that's why you drafted him where you did. And I told Mark yesterday, I really think that based on everything you heard at the end of the draft last year, the comments and some of the innuendos, I really do think if the Colts were picking first overall last year that Anthony Richardson was their guy because wow. they think that he has the highest ceiling. He can do things that right. C.J. Stroud couldn't do. Now, obviously, C.J. Stroud is he's, he's C.J. Stroud. He turned into a fantastic player, and the Colts are going to have to contend with that for the next decade or so. Um, but I think what you're going to see is from the Colts, I think you're going to see Shane Steichen be a little bit more tactful, uh, a little bit more 
I don't know what the right word would be, uh, a little bit more precise, I guess, in how you use Anthony Richardson, kind of like how the Ravens use Lamar Jackson. Give the ball to your best player when the field shrinks or when it's a third and short and you got to have a moment right inside the red zone when yards are hard to come by. That's when I think you're going to see more of the design runs from Anthony Richardson. But it's really fun to think about the potential of Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Richardson in the same backfield because those two guys together last year because of Taylor's saga off right. the field and then Richardson's injury, those two guys can play, uh, played a combined two snaps together last year. It, wow. Yeah. yeah. So, so virtually nothing. So there's a lot of excitement on what the box would look like against the run uh, if you're playing the Colts. I mean, how do you defend Jonathan yeah. Taylor? How do you f- defend Anthony Richardson? Maybe you get Michael Pittman Jr. back on the franchise tag or you extend him so you have that reliable pass catcher, that physical wide receiver. But I think more so than anything within the passing game, the Colts need some more pop on the outside, some more explosive plays. But long-winded answer to your question, I think Anthony Richardson is so much more poised, mature beyond his years, and just really exciting what he can do because you guys know within the Colts franchise, it's been Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck and Jim Harbaugh. The Colts have never had anything close to a quarterback like Anthony Richardson. And based on his skill set and what we're seeing now in the NFL, I think you have to have what he can do to a degree to win big in the NFL. Well, everyone, every quarterback's got to be able to move now. Everyone, mm-hmm. but to your point, right. which takes us to, I know you love your guy. Will Levis is physical. He's a bodybuilder. He's a big physical guy. He's athletic as heck. You really like him. Tell us about Will Levis. Well, first time you and I talked about him, yeah. you had a little glow about you. Yeah, I liked guy. him early on because in the rookie minicamp when we saw him throw, yeah. we've never had a guy with this arm. Mm. You're like, oh, okay. I mean, and you'd see Tannehill throw, and Tannehill has a good arm. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's great. And Malik Willis has a good arm, and you're like, okay, well, that's impressive. And then you see this, and you're like, what was that? Yeah. Um, it's a howitzer. I mean, it's, yeah. it's crazy good. To your point, though, about mobility, you know, what's funny about that is when we had the good offenses 2019 through 2021, Ryan Tannehill was running. Yeah. Wasn't, yeah. wasn't 20 times a game, wasn't 10 times a game. It was always on third down. Yeah. Third it down. killed everybody. Yeah. Or yeah. in the red Breaking zone. conversion. Or yeah. in the red zone. I mean, yeah. he in 2021, he rushed for seven touchdowns. And that's most, a big number that's for a, a quarterback. Uh, well, yeah. Well, well, especially junior for a guy year at was, A&M, he was a receiver. Yeah. He was a receiver yeah. his first two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but then in 2022 and 2023, he didn't run anymore. And mm. so – that aspect of it being out was a was a big deal. Some of it was due to an ankle, and right, right. I'm not blaming him, but I agree. You've got to have somebody who can move. Levis can move, too. He's not a runner, per se, but is he going to be able to take off when it opens up on third and 10 and get you 15 yards? Yeah, because yeah. he's yeah. got good speed yeah. and, and he's athletic. Now, we don't need him trying to run over people. Uh, because Levis's whole thing is his intensity is yeah. uh, through the roof. And that's one thing they've had to try to rein in because at Kentucky, things would go wrong and he would kind of get down on himself. Okay. And they had to say, listen, this is the NFL, friend. I mean, it's it's you are gonna it's throw a bad ball. Play to play. Right. I now. mean, you you are I mean, this is gonna happen. You gotta you gotta shake it off. And we saw in a couple of instances where he made a couple bad plays, the Miami game on Monday night, where 
he made a couple of bad plays, and yet he came back and led the victory at the end, which getting the victory was great and doing it, you know, two touchdowns in the last four minutes. But to me, the bigger thing were, was the way that he flipped it around. Yeah. And, you know, Pete Rose used to talk about a lot of the success in hitting for him was if you start 0 for 2 or 0 for 3 and you end up three for five, 2 for 5 or 3 for 5. You come back and you put the earlier at-bats right. out of the way. And, and I think that's a lot of what he's having to learn. He's super smart. I mean, crazy smart. And remember, he played for pro-style kind of guys at not only Kentucky but also at Penn State. Mm. Uh, he's an older guy. You know, he's not 21. He's yeah. 24. And so he's seen a couple things. He's had a couple bad things happen. Um, and that and that actually helps. Right, I, I think right. having the adversity the, – the adversity of the NFL is the toughest thing for any player. But at the quarterback position, it's like way up. And how you overcome it. Right. You said yeah, it. Yeah. How, how do you bounce back from that? Those are our guys talking about their quarterbacks. Mark Vandermeer, the voice of the Texans, talking all about C.J. Stroud. I thought it was a cool story when he said – he came and said, what's your name? What do you do? Mm-hmm. I want to make sure I know you, yeah. you know, I want, I want, which is kind of a cool story. Um, Matt Taylor, you heard say, is over the moon of what he thinks Anthony Richardson can do because of the skill set. I forgot he ran for four touchdowns yeah. in the first four games. And Mike Keith talk, good pace. talked about how when, he, when they fir- finally saw their guy, they said, wait a minute. I've seen Ryan Tannehill throw. I've seen Malik Willis throw, but they don't throw like Will Levis threw it. So – now, look, we're all confident in our guys. That's part of being the play-by-play voice of a specific team. But it really is to that point, and that's why we chose that, that segment. Again, that, 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 it's an hour-long uh, sort of podcast, and me is working tirelessly to get it up on our social channels. But we chose that one because it talks about what we all want to talk about, quarterbacks. It really is, Hayes, going to be a really intriguing watch of quarterbacks. I mean, they're all young. If they all turn out to be good, how good will that division be? Well, and again, it's not out of the realm of possibility that this time next year when people rank starting quarterbacks in this league that you're not in this division looking at maybe two top seven guys in Stroud and Lawrence, uh, maybe uh, top 12 for Richardson if he stays healthy. I mean, the numbers are going to be there. Uh, I mean, he, he has shown that when, he's, when he plays, he finds the end zone. So, you know, can Richardson and and Levis, Levis is the one that I think is a little bit more of a question mark. And again, that's not all of his fault. He also has the worst. I think he's been dealt the worst hand. I agree. Uh, Trevor has, I think, pretty good weapons. Uh, Stroud, I think, has some nice young weapons that they're going to add to. And, uh, you know, and I think we'll see what the Colts do with Pittman and and things like that. But I, I think the Colts have a decent array of skills. So the Titans don't. So that will be interesting, but I don't think it can be discounted that we could be sitting here looking at guys, four guys in this division that are all viewed as the upper echelon. If you if you ranked them one through sixteen and then seventeen through thirty two, that all four might be in the top sixteen. I, I don't. I think they all have certainly the potential for that to happen. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, Mia joins us. Uh, what does she think of day two? of the uh, combine. We'll do that. Top of the hour, Mark Vandermeer is the play-by-play voice of the Texans. Our one-on-one with him. You heard from Mike Keith yesterday, Matt Taylor tomorrow. We'll do that. Ryan O'Halloran stops by in the 4 o'clock hour as well. Joe Cullen, our old friend, the former defensive coordinator for the Jags in the 5 o'clock hour. So we are loaded up. Uh, Frank Hayes and Mia, when we return, stay with us. 
The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Hodges Mazda presents the Frangie Show at the Combine. Brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida on 1010XL. And we welcome you back to the Combine. Mia, we're going to slide you over just a little oh, bit yeah. there so you're in the picture. Yes. Got to be in the picture. Yeah, the picture That's right. Of we also so. can just move the picture. Stand by. Oh, we can move the, There's also that. We can move the picture a little bit. There we go. Now everybody's in the picture. There you go. How about that? See there? What was that easy? How about that? I tell Who you. Who would have you know, Easiest one, thing I've done today. I bet you that? her three-cone time would be there's very no good. There's no question. That kind of agility. No it's funny question. you say that. Uh, who asked me on the air yesterday? About my 40 time. Who was that? Was that Leon or uh, Matt or whoever uh, it was? Yeah. We actually did time my yeah. three-cone time back in 2020. Yeah. Um, and How was it? Granted, that was coming off of my first and only half marathon. Yeah. Um, no, even, like, Denny Thompson and James Coleman were both shocked. Like, right. they were like, man, like, that's like, I think it was like 5.75 five or something yeah. like that. And they were like, that's actually, like, for someone your See? size. And they were like, that's actually pretty pretty darn good if, you know, like, freak athletes are at, like, 4.8. Yeah. So, yeah, I pride myself on the three-cone drop. Well, that news does not surprise me. How about that? Does yeah. That we, Don't ask for my 40 time, at least <laughs> at the current juncture. Boom. How you doing? You, are you tired? Good. Are you no. Tired? Scale of 10 of tired, how are you? Three. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. It's, it's more from just staring at how a How about you? Scale screen. of 10 I'm of tired? I'm 11. I'm about 10 and a half. <laughs> he has done triple the work I've done. <laughs> so, so. She so she has. All right, what's, what jumped off the page for you today? You saw you were obviously – and by the way, Mia was there bright and early today in time to see Jared Verse and some of the others been grinding like a son of a gun. What, what jumped off the page for you? Um, besides a big shout-out to the Indiana Convention Center for helping uh, rectify my Wi-Fi situation. And by the Indiana Convention Center, I mean Hayes Carlion um, yeah. for figuring out what no one else he's, could. He's a tech guy. Which was he's, that yesterday the there were two guy. passwords to the Wi-Fi. Now there's only one. Who would have uh, We rubbed some dirt on it. Tech. it yep, fine. exactly, exactly. So tech-savvy tech Hayes Carlion. Um Biggest thing that, you know, I know Hayes echoed this off the top of the show. Love to Vondre Sweat. It was yeah. funny that it, it was a great story that it ended as, as happy as it did, even yeah. though I don't think we'll fully ever know what this delay in medicals. Took, to tell people that story. It took a while for yeah, you to get I, up there. Uh, yeah. So I, he was scheduled to speak at 10 a.m., doesn't get to the podium until 2 p.m. Um, I overheard some folks a little more in the know saying that it was because he had to get an MRI done off campus, okay. which, as we all know, the Combine, the whole reason you, you come here is because this is the place to come to get MRIs and to get that sort of testing yeah, done because all, all, done here, right? all the technology X-rays, is here. MRIs are all here, right? So I'm curious how invasive or how introspective um, that X-ray or MRI was that he needed to leave the campus for it. But he gets here, and he is smiling from ear to ear. He is literally holding court. I don't think any – and, again, we didn't talk to every single athlete here because it's impossible to do so, but it, it, I, it was – it was as charismatic a session as we've had, and again, it's only day one. Um, he stole the show, and there were a lot of people getting a little triggered thinking, oh, no, do we have a Jalen Carter situation on our hands? Because since Sweat had this medical delay, it backlogged several guys. And for all we know, it could have been several guys that had to go sure. off campus. Sure, right. um, but he was the one who you know, didn't meet with us till 2 p.m., but it was worth the wait, and it was certainly um, on a day that featured the defensive linemen as the headliners. It was a it was a fun one for sure. How did Verse look, in your opinion? He's such a, a gifted physical specimen, but did uh, did he look like in in prime shape? Oh I, yeah. I saw him after the Florida Florida State game when they won in the swamp, and I mean I was um, just amazed 
at his uh, at his frame and length. Yes, absolutely. Um, looked, I mean, obviously they got sweatshirts on, but he looked exactly what you would expect Jerry Burst to look like when he's at peak physical performance. What I couldn't get over, and we, we clipped this, and you'll hear it. I mean, I think uh, RJ may be able to play it now. He, I didn't realize how much of a chip on his shoulder he carries. Obviously, didn't get a single Power 5 offer out of high school. Started at Albany at the FCS level. Obviously, switched positions as well, which may have been a big reason why. And then he gained some weight, and he grew a couple more inches, and that's part of how he turned from, a, I believe it was a tight end, to an edge rusher. Um, I didn't realize the chip on his shoulder that he carries. So, RJ, if you have that sound, it was back and forth with Stacey Dales of the NFL Network, but it's it's a tremendous bite that, that I think uh, Knowles fans are going to be pounding their chest knowing that this guy is their guy. Do we have that sound, RJ? The Jared Verse sound. RJ, do you have that? No. Okay. It's all right. We'll play it. We'll play it in a little bit. But yeah. So Jared Verse, like the biggest thing that stood out to me um, was just you know that the, the chip on his shoulder, um, pride for Florida State. He did have a pretty amazing back and forth with our friend Mike Griffith um, of the Atlanta Journal Constitution up in Georgia. Back and forth, he was asked with Mike if he regrets opting out of the bowl game. He said. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't live with regrets, this, that, and the other. And, you know, he had to do what was right for him. Him and his brother had a conversation and said, look, if you know this is what's best for your NFL future, then that's what you should do. But he said that there were multiple moments during that, what was it, 62-3 to was the final score between Georgia and Florida State? Yes, yeah, multiple moments where he said standing on the sideline, he questioned whether or not he should have opted out, and he wished he could have been out there. Here is the soundbite, though, first of Jared Verse with Stacey Dales talking about the chip on his shoulder and what he wants to show at the NFL Combine on the field tomorrow. My hard work, like I said, this guy's out there faster than me, this guy's out there stronger than me, this guy's out there quicker than me, this guy's out there going to run some freak times tomorrow. You know, I just want to show that, you know, through all this, I've worked hard. Like I said before, I was never supposed to be in this position, but you know, I've earned it, so I'm going to work hard to showcase Why what I've done. Why weren't you supposed to be in this position? You know, I never was gifted like that. Yeah, I mean, Those guys out there from when I was a little, like a little kid that were way faster than me, way stronger than me, way bigger than me. You know, I just wasn't supposed to be here. Like, wasn't supposed to be anything where I was like, oh yeah, I'm some freak athlete, anything like that. I just worked hard to become in this position. So is it more than a chip on your shoulder for you? It's my lifestyle. There's no chip on my shoulder or anything like that. I feel like a lot of people here give me my respect now. I think now it's just this is, this is what I'm going into. I was I was very impressed with that back and forth, and apparently that's something yeah. that he's talked about. I like um, it. among you know Florida State media ranks that you know he feels like he's you know not the fastest guy in the world, he's not the strongest guy in the world, which I think Hayes Carline would argue he may actually in fact be that. I, I would love to see him uh, fall to 17. I, I don't think it's going to happen, and I don't think the Jaguars can afford to trade up in this draft and, and give up more compensation. So I think they're going to stay at 17 or move back. Uh, but if he's at 17, what a pick that would be. Uh, I mean, I, I again, It would be akin to Josh Allen falling to yeah, the Jaguars. And, and again, we'll see in free agency. Obviously, uh, you know, there's, there is, you know, we'll see. Daniil Hunter, is, you know, does that end up happening? Well, if it does, then obviously they're not going to take an edge rusher at 17. But uh, So we do have to get through the free agency part. Uh, is this Allen Robinson? Yeah, but I, I want to have. How about that? The, 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 yeah, but I want to. There's a Rob over a good there. Friend. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. So, so be a, good to see him. Yeah. Hey, I want to. I love the kicks. <laughs> He's got the pink shoes. Yeah, right he now. does. Yeah, are he those does. Jordan. Always, I can't tell what always they good are. to see a Rob around. Um, did you talk to Fabian Lovett? Because I want. Yeah. Because one thing that kind of stood out, RJ. Let's let's cue up that Fabian Lovett in a second too. Because one thing that did stand out is 
these FSU guys all played better than their recruiting rating would indicate. And that's the tip of the cap to Mike Norvell and that staff, man. You talk about getting stuff out. I mean, Jared Verse is a really good player, but somebody had to get it out of him. He went to Albany to start his career. Uh, Fabian Lovett started his career at Mississippi State, played a long time at FSU, also played really well. And Hayes caught up with Fabian a little earlier today. In terms of training to get ready for the combine, where have you been working? Uh, I've been working out at uh, Athletes Innovation at Tampa, and I've just been working, uh, trying to get more flexible and my hips and my ankle game. How have you seen those uh, those exercises benefiting you going into the routine that you'll have uh, coming up here in Indianapolis? Uh, I feel like that helped me bend more, show people I could move well, and no stiffness in my ankles or my hips. The technique, stuffing the run, rushing the passer. You know, what what are some strengths of your game as you see it leaving college? Uh, I probably see my power, my contact, my uh, my knockback off the ball, being able to move grown men around by myself and just having fun and throwing people around. Like, that's probably like the thing I love the most, being able to throw men around. <laughs> how, how special was that defense and playing with all those guys around you that, that are here and you're going to be, you know, seeing on Sundays? Oh, it was real special because I saw everybody put in the work to get where they wanted. Nobody took days off. Nobody half-assed. Everybody was doing what needed to be done to be able to ball like that. You know, Lovett also really talked about his son has gone through a lot of respiratory issues. And... Uh, it was uh, it was really cool hearing him talk about being a dad and, and going through that stuff as as well. And uh, he is another very motivated man. And uh, I think he is again. Uh, he's obviously not getting the kind of buzz, you know, first round Jared versus, but he's somebody that I think on day two uh, would really be an outstanding value selection for somebody because I, I think he gives you some interior pass rush. So it's not just the the ability to stop the run. Love it to me has some good wiggle. Did he say he met with the Jaguars? Did we ask him that? It, they, these guys meet with so I mean it's 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 almost to the point where They've had some sort of conversation yeah, with multiple I mean, guys. I, I tweeted it out, um, you know, Muhammad Kamara for Colorado State, the edge rusher. He was like, honestly, I'm just going to let you guys know, I've met with all 32 teams that's in some form thing. or fashion. Yeah, right, yeah, right. If they're invited to the combine, yeah. there's a good chance. And even right. if they've – I mean, we know how the game's played. I mean, sometimes they these teams will meet with guys that, you know, they, they're not – super high up on their board i mean it's just you, you're you're kind of covering the gamut here at the combine so i don't put a, a ton of stock in have you met have you have you not met uh because it's just for the most part these teams are you still have even if they didn't meet at the combine you still have 30 in-person visits at the facility uh as well at your disposal so um you know i i don't know that he's he's going to be a great fit for the jaguar i mean he's a good player uh, but I don't, I, I don't know that, that that is a, a, a. I think that's an issue that probably gets addressed in free agency, uh, and and again, it. We don't know how it's going to look for Ryan Nielsen. Ryan Nielsen may look at it and say, yeah, you know, that's not. I, I feel pretty good about what we have there with Roy Robertson Harris and Devon Hamilton, and I uh, I don't think Fadakasi comes back, but uh, you know, but. It, Mia, you've been bringing this up, and it's a great point. Nielsen has guys that he's coached before. That may be the answer to the interior defensive line question is sign a guy, a veteran, 
that Ryan Nielsen's already had some experience coaching. And, right, and so many of those guys were signed to one-year deals in Atlanta last year, whether it was Bud Dupree, Kentavious Street. Um, there's a couple other guys with NC State ties, whether that's Justin Jones with the Chicago Bears, who's a set to be a free agent. If you go to um, Minnesota, Marcus Davenport signed a one-year prove-it deal after so many injuries derailed his first contract in New Orleans when Ryan Nielsen was his, D- his co-DC and def- defensive line coach there. And so there's a lot of them walking around on the street for free not free for cheap I should say right now um and I think that those are avenues that the Jaguars will explore to fill those holes and you saw it in Atlanta it was very much pass rusher by committee they didn't have an alpha guy having an alpha guy in Josh Allen not to mention 10 sack getter in Trayvon Walker who is as Trent Bulky said just scratching the ceiling does that change how Ryan Nielsen approaches his defensive line or does he say I still need to have this treasure trove of Potential yeah. pass rushers. We talked about verse and love it. I love Braden Fisk. He was here yeah. today too. I mean, he's a he's a he's a bulldog. I mean, he's he's a terrific player as well. So he's the, had a fantastic draft process to this point. Really Obviously, has. it was really impressive in Mobile yeah. at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. All right. So Braden Fisk as well. So a lot of the FSU people here, and you'll hear more of those again on our social channels coming up a little bit later on. Hey, when we come back, we'll take a break now. Mark Vandermeer joins me. He is the play-by-play voice of the Texans. I promise you, you hear all three play-by-play voices today. Mark Vandermeer, what do the Texans expect? They now have the target on their chest that the Jags had before. That is next after this on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. 1010XL takes you to the NFL Scouting Combine. Hodges Mazda presents the Frangie Show, live from Indy. Brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida. Frank Frangie now joined by my buddy Mark Vandermeer, the play-by-play voice of the division champion, that's hard to say, Houston, Texas. How you doing? Frank, I'm doing great, and what a year it was. And now I feel kind of like you might have felt last year where you feel like you're the darlings of the league, right? The Jags were last offseason and got off to that terrific start. We know what happened. And I'm thinking, how is the encore going to go for the Texans? Because... As you know, it's very difficult to get back to where you were, never mind beyond that. And it's true for every team. But a lot of fans and media, they get wrapped up in this, well, you went to the division round. Now, of course, you're going to go deeper. Yeah, really? It's hard in this league, as we all see. We just lived that. We just lived there. You get the first place schedule. You get all the expectations. And you will go through that. But it seems built. I, I like what they did, what your team did. Number one, you got the quarterback. You and I have had the talk. I've told the story to you enough times about doing the college game and so impressed with him. But tell tell our listeners about C.J. Stroud. Seems like a neat guy. Seems like mm-hmm. a good person. Obviously a really good player. Well, his faith really stands out. You know, he always talks about it in press conferences. Yep. And I think it grounds him. There's no question about that. Great head on his shoulders. And it starts there. But the talent also speaks for itself Uh, i was interviewing dan pastorini late in the season at a pre-texas bowl uh party event and he said and he doesn't just pass out the praise that easily he said cj strat is the best release he's ever seen wow i thought what wow guys he's played among in his era and watched since and even if it's not true just being in that kind of conversation because the re- release is amazing, Frank. When you look at C.J. Stroud, you've seen it. It's not like he's throwing Dan Marino rockets. He's throwing a very catchable ball. It's just that it comes out so fast. Once he makes the decision, it's it's out. And he can throw it from a tight pocket, doesn't panic. 
He can move around the pocket and find that little tiny piece of real estate to throw the football with the pocket collapsing. Those are the things I wasn't sure about because you talk about Ohio State. and Oh, my gosh, look at him hit these guys on the run. The accuracy is there. But what about the NFL when you're thrown out of a phone booth? He can do that. And he's clutch, too. He's got the clutch gene. They had a game at Atlanta where he hits Dalton Schultz on the go-ahead TD. He leaves the field, but they can't hold the lead. They march down the field. Now, he had numerous games where uh, he would execute a late TD. Defense did hang on. And they had the one against Tampa where he hit a player with a few seconds left, Tank Dell, uh, who was a player they missed down the stretch. Obviously, you've seen him. Jacksonville, week three, amazing performance so by fast. him. Uh, and he's going to be really good for them in the future. As you uh, look at this team, we talk about this all the time, you and I do, all of us do, coaching quarterback. Just like, and you had Bill O'Brien and Deshaun Watson and won a bunch of titles. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they're both gone. I think you got it again. D'Amico Ryan seems like the real deal, doesn't he? Oh, absolutely. The guy looks like he can still play. I bet yeah. he could. You yeah, know? Yeah. A lot of these probably guys right. a lot right. of these guys could give you some snaps anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying about a 17-year right, right, season. Right. They might be able to give you some yeah. snaps. But D'Amico is so pure of heart. And, and I'm not just simplifying that. I guess I am simplifying it. But I say that because... You know that he's a genuine guy. He cares about his players. At his introductory press conferences, co- conference, he's talking about, I want these guys to become better men, better fathers, better husbands. He really believes that, and he puts the time into that. I asked him about it yesterday here, and he takes a lot of pride in coaching them in life. He wants to get to know them because then everybody cares about each other. Family atmosphere, Will Anderson Jr., C.J. Stroud. These guys really believe all of that, and it shows on the field. They're together. I think that's a big reason why they've won so many close games, why down the stretch those plays that could go either way tend to go their way. They did anyway in 2023. I hope it continues in 2024. But it's not just that, Frank, with D'Amico. It's attention to detail. He's very intense. He's very hard on them also. Wants them to be physical, violent, within the rules, of course. Uh, and it all comes across from the head coach. And I think that, you know, any team, it all starts with him. It starts with Doug Peterson in Jacksonville. starts with D'Amico Ryans in Houston. Are you surprised Bobby Sloak, pleasantly surprised Bobby Sloak didn't wind up with one of those jobs? I, I was yeah. convinced he was getting one of those you jobs. You never know what's happening because, you know, you hear about Detroit and right. the money and everything with, uh, with Johnson. So I'm not sure. I'm not I don't know what happened with Bobby Sloak, if there was an offer anywhere, if there wasn't an offer, if he just felt like, you know what, I don't feel like the right opportunities out there for me right now. D'Amico Ryans himself wanted an extra year as a coordinator in San Francisco before he pursued head coaching jobs, and maybe Bobby feels that way. I haven't heard yet, but maybe he feels that way. And look, he gets to come back and coach C.J. Stroud, which is only going to get better. You would figure, right? As soon as they get the running game really figured out with Stroud throwing the football, it could be explosive. It is explosive already, right. but their offensive numbers, if you just look at total offense, pretty good. But they want to score more points. They want to run the ball a whole lot better than they did. Mark Vandermeer with us, the voice of the Texans. So what's next in terms of building this team? Where are the weak areas? What do they have to do? All right, so what people from the outside looking in might not notice is that they had a lot of guys on one-year free agent deals who played big roles for them. Devin Singletary, Dalton Schultz, Sheldon Rankins. These guys were all one-year deals. Numerous others. Uh, Noah Brown had some big plays for them. And 
they have some expiring contracts they have to deal with. Jonathan Grenard, expiring right, contract. Right. So are you going to tag him? Are you going to sign him? Are you going to let him walk and, and test the market? Uh, that's a big defensive end spot opposite Will Anderson Jr. you got to figure out. Derek Barnett, they signed him away. Well, not away. He was on the street. Philadelphia cut him. Big role for him down the stretch because they were so banged up with both Anderson and yeah. Grenard. Barnett yeah. played well for them. So do they re-sign him? They have a lot of questions like that. Linebacker Blake Cashman, huge role for them, uh, for him and them. He had his best year ever, but he still got banged up. And you feel like, well, gosh, you have to have him, right? I don't know. They have to figure all that out. Steven Nelson, uh, his starting corner. You know, what are you going to do there? So they have a lot of questions there they have to answer, I think, in free agency because there are just too many to say, we'll take care of that in the draft. So they have a, they have a lot of cap space. They've got an important, everybody does, free agent season coming up here. And I think the Texans fans, you know, they're spending all the money on the airways, right? Right, right, right. And uh, let's go get Derrick Henry. Let's go get this guy. Let's go get that guy. I, you know, I'd love to see it all, but the money dries up pretty quick. And then you have bills due. Nico Collins is entering year four here. He's a third-round draft choice. you got to pay him or test or let him test the market after his fourth year. So I'm not so sure how they're going to handle that, Frank. I think uh, this is going to be really interesting for everybody in the next few weeks. I'll say this um, about D'Amico, and these, some of these guys were here before D'Amico, so I'm not giving him all the credit for it, but it seemed like like I, I get to know Grenard and Pierce at Florida. They play hard. Yeah, they're 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 grinders. Yeah, I mean I love Nico Collins and Tank Dell. I don't know them, but they're fast. It seems like you guys have a lot of guys that are kind of the same guy. There's a blue collar mentality. Am I am I overthinking that? Is it, it's from the outside looking in? It appears that they've way. looked for character and football ability right and they figured that that's going to help you through the tough times well some of these nico's been through some tough times i mean the 2022 season the 2021 season these were rough seasons and not only win loss wise but football ops it just wasn't all together the way you needed it to be the way it is now once the team hired D'Amico Ryans you just felt this cleansing of everything all the former players came back into the fold and the current players and there's just this family togetherness with the Texans organization right now led by the McNairs you know Andre Johnson getting into the Hall of Fame is huge the current players are so happy about it because he's been around he's talked to the team he's present he's not on the staff but he's present and he's a teammate of D'Amico Ryan's and it brings everybody together even more so I think there's this feeling that we're all in this Houston H-Town let's go get them how do you feel about the division we, we did a group thing you mm-hmm. and me and Mike and Matt and I think the division is in good a shape collectively as yeah. it's been in. How three winning feel? teams. Yeah. Three winning teams. And, you know, I know people look at the Jaguars' second half yeah, or yeah. stretch run of the season, but you still had a winning record. Yeah. And it's still the Jaguars, still have Trevor Lawrence mending. And I think the Jags are as dangerous as anybody in this division. There's no question about that. You look at a 2024. If the Jags end up with 12 wins, should anybody really be surprised? I agree with that. Right? These are the expectations you kind of had. Maybe not 12, but you, you had yeah. lofty expectations last year Definitely. why can't they bounce back right? right tennessee's a mystery i don't know i don't know about will levis who knows what's going to happen no derrick henry probably all of that stuff uh indianapolis look the texans are a couple of plays away maybe one play away from losing that game and the colts end up winning the division maybe or at least making the playoffs right, right. and they're 
always a threat to me. They're always a threat. The year they had prior in 2022 with Matt Ryan and everything, I think if they keep Frank Reich, they're going to make a run with that team. Now, they might not make the postseason after all, but they might make a run. Think about this. They have a lot of the same guys still that were projected to be good that year as a team, right? And even going back to the Phillip Rivers year, all right? Yeah, make playoffs, they lose. Carson Wentz, they have a chance to make the playoffs, don't make it. They end up with a winning record anyway. I think the Colts are always dangerous. This is a dangerous division. Texans should be dangerous, but, you know, the word should should yeah. probably not exist in the right, NFL right. the way things play out. Final thing. the uh, I think we have a good division. Um, but we're all still chasing Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And I almost think, in a way, we, we all might be chasing Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson. There's so many dang good quarterbacks yeah. in this conference. Yeah. Can anybody catch the Chiefs, and who might it be if anybody does? You just got to get in. Yeah. Never mind everything else. Just get into the postseason. Look yeah. at the Chiefs. What did they do? They just got in, right? They right. played a home game against Miami, which had to play in zero, you know, right. whatever degrees, and Miami was having the worst stretch you could imagine injury-wise, right? And they limp up there to Arrowhead. They lose. And then the Chiefs get hot. They beat Buffalo, beat Baltimore, and that's it. Um, They're in the Super Bowl again. Because when you have the greatest quarterback in the world, and you talk about coach quarterback, that's that's a great example. Uh, He can get things done. And he runs the ball. I know you talk about this. He's Look, what, what did they do on the fourth and one? They ran it with Mahomes. He runs the ball more than people think. You don't call him a running quarterback he's the ultimate wizard and passer but he makes a lot of plays with his legs i think that we are all chasing him because he is the standard right now and as good as lamar jackson is as good as burrow is and yeah burrow's really really nasty and scary because he's not afraid of the chiefs right they're a big challenge to the chiefs I still say it's you know it's all about Kansas City till someone bumps them off and consistently. If the Chiefs lose in the in the divisional round or even in the championship game, it's not over. They'll be back. They've been able to overhaul that roster a bunch of times. They're a completely different team than they were in 2019-2020. I know you know this, yep. but if you look at that roster, it's just a few of the same guys. The whole thing has changed, and that's what the good teams do. When you have the great quarterback like Brady for years, they overhauled that Patriots thing every three, four years. You just didn't notice it under the surface. as a you know The casual fans don't notice because you see Brady and Belichick and a few other guys, and you think it's the same team. It's not. It's totally different thing. Mark Vandermeer, the terrific play-by-play voice of the Houston Texans. Thanks, bud. Thanks, Frank. Back in a moment. Stay with us live from Indianapolis. Mark Vandermeer is the play-by-play voice of the Texans. You heard from Mike Keith yesterday, the voice of the Titans. Mark Vandermeer today, the voice of the Texans. And Matt Taylor, of course, will join me tomorrow, the play-by-play voice of the Indianapolis Colts. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, our friend Ryan O'Halloran should stop by. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about not just the Bills, but his view of the league. He comes here all the time. He knows the league about as well as anybody. Uh, Ryan O after this, so stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Live from Indy, Hodges Mazda presents the Frangie Show at the Combine. Brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida on 1010XL. Welcome back to the program. Frank Frangie Hayes, Carline with you. Our old buddy, Ryan O'Halloran. How are you, man? We're already laughing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? Good, good. Not much. Just uh, we were talking during the break is that the 
the defensive linemen were today, and it just not a lot of sizzle. I mean, that's a meat and potatoes position. It'll pick up later in the week when yeah. you get the quarterbacks, which yeah, the Jags yeah. and the Bills don't need, yeah. receivers, which the Bills need. Um, so it it was a uh, yeah it was a ho hum morning. Let me ask you, you you obviously well, I want to get to the Bills and the team you cover and the Broncos, the team you did cover, but you covered the Jags a long time. I know you still stay connected to all the Jacksonville stuff. What do you think they are? Or where do where do you think if you were doing a state of the Jags, what would you what would you say? Well, I think the state of the Jags would be blown opportunity last year, yeah. um, eight and three yeah. through eleven, and you know one of the things about their schedule was I was able to watch them a lot. They played on prime time. Bills played a wacky schedule with a Saturday game, and it uh, you know they just cannot protect the quarterback. And you know you hear the Jets talking; they need three O linemen. You hear other teams talking; we've got to get better up yeah. front. Teams that struggle up front in this league do not run it back. They make changes. So to me, if I'm a Jags fan, that's what I'm watching for because right now priority one is how do you protect number 16 to make sure he's A, upright, has time to throw, can be accurate. That would be my major concern if I was a Jags. And you look at the division, they got passed. Well, that doesn't mean anything because last year they were in the pole position. And the Colts and Texans made their picks. So, you know, it's by no means a dire situation. I still think they have a lot of good players. But they got to answer the bell a lot better than they did the last two months of the season. You saw Trevor up close and personal in London. Uh, what were your, do you like where they are with Trevor Lawrence? Um, you know, uh, a little. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the first time I saw him was his second start against the Broncos in Jacksonville. He, and he made a couple of throws. They're like, that's why he's number one. Right. That's why he can, they can build around him. You know, what I liked about him in the Jags-Bills game in London is the protection broke down time and time again. He took some shots. He got hurt. He, that's when he wrenched the knee right. in, that, in, the, in the, that concrete turf at Tottenham. So it, uh, but like every young quarterback is need production from the tight end position, touchdown-wise, you need a running game. And you need to stay upright. So those are the things. And then if I'm Trent Balke, if I'm Doug Peterson, if I'm Shad Khan, Every meeting I have is about that. How do we maximize the quarterback? Because they don't come along that often. Ryan, if you're doing a power poll today, and again, they blew the end of the season. That doesn't, everyone's undefeated now. So we're, we're now you're looking forward. You look forward to the 32 teams before free agency, before the league year begins, before the draft. Power poll, where are they? In the division? No, no. Oh, overall? One, one through 32. I mean, on top of your head. I mean, probably like 13, okay. um, which means they're probably six or seven. Six or seven in the AFC. Okay, I mean in the division. Because I think that's pretty close. I, if you asked me to give you a number, I would have gone thirteen to fifteen. Yeah. I was right there. I mean, it, you know, like a lot of AFC challengers, they're playing in the wrong conference. Yeah, you know, they probably be would be higher in the AF, NFC. But yeah. you know, in the division, the Texans won it, so I put them first. But I Agreed. think they're, I think Agreed. they're better than the Colts. I mean, because Richardson it, availability is an issue. Yeah, and uh, so. You know, I, I like. You know, I think the Jags would you know, right now would be second in the division. What What's the the mood in Buffalo? You mentioned how deep the AFC is. Uh, the Bills have had unbelievable success, but there's that team in Kansas City that spoiled the party and, and spoiled a lot of parties. I mean, to me, and you look at the AFC, there is 11 good teams mm-hmm. for seven spots. Yeah. And now I think the Bills will be one of the seven. You know, moving forward, but they're they've they're over the cap. Uh, where where are they right now in their window? 
Well, I'll start with the cap part is they constructed a lot of these contracts with high base salaries, which can be converted into roster bonuses. You spread it out and you don't push problems down the road. You just sort of push the money down the road. So it'll be okay. They're they're not going to be big spenders in free agency. Um, The last two, the last two post seasons have left a mark because it was in their hands. Let's go to a year ago. At home against Cincinnati, if they win that, they play the Chiefs on a neutral field in Atlanta. Don't have to go to Arrowhead. This year, they got the Chiefs at home, leading at halftime. You win, you go to Baltimore, which I think they would have won. So missed opportunities. You keep knocking on that door. Sometimes, you know, at what point does that door become sort of a concrete wall? And you got to make changes just to see, okay, who are the people that can help you get over the hump? They're going to run it back with a lot of the core players. Uh, and, and my thing is, I'd only put Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes ahead of Josh Allen in this league right now at quarterback. He he is awesome. And turnovers, yeah, what? Well, still 30-plus touchdowns. So you have him, your window's open. All right, same question, same power poll question for you. At the top, the Chiefs are one in that group of Bills, Bengals, Ravens, that other, that cluster mm-hmm. that's next. How do you Give me an order. Second to me with a healthy Burrow would be Cincinnati because – that's a team the Bills are a terrible matchup. Right. They just have not been able can't to solve. Can't beat them, I agree. Yeah, so um, the Bengals with a healthy Burrow would be two. Um, three, I would put the Bills. Four, the Ravens, because, I mean, they've lost on their home field too much. Yeah, let me yeah. ask you, because I, I thought you'd go there. With the, see, I love Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. He's unorthodox, but I, I love him as a player. Now, I'm not sure the team is as good around him, some of the skill around him. Mm-hmm. When Mark Andrews is down, I don't think the skill around him is great. The rookie receiver is really good. But I, but you don't, the Ravens aren't great to you, I, I take it. No, and I mean, right now, because they got their own issues on defense in terms of free agency. Right. And, and on offense, it looked like they got away from their formula in the AFC title game when they thought they were down by three touchdowns. Well, they weren't. And that, that it's almost like me and Hayes talk about this all the time is, Everything needs to be right for them to win, whereas Kansas City, it doesn't have to be. Correct. Because Mahomes can carry a team. So I think the Ravens, it's, I mean, they've got to be saying, okay, they they got home field and they still couldn't beat the Chiefs and they fell behind early. So uh, that division, if I had to pick that division right now, I'd go Bengals. What do you think the Bills do in the first round? Uh, probably receiver. I mean, what they really need to do is safety, but there's not going to be anybody there worth taking. They yeah. can get one of those in the second it's round. It's a bad class, yeah. And, uh, you know, so I'm going to write for Saturday. They got they should, One of the guys they can sh- should consider is Ladd McConkey at 28 for two reasons. One, keep him away from the Chiefs because the Chiefs draft him. You know he's going to be on All-Pro with 100 catches. And the second of all, the Bills have, have not been able to replace that inside receiver spot since they let go of Cole Beasley. You know, they like to run 12 personnel with Kincaid and Knox at tight end. So Kincaid, Knox, Diggs, McConkey. I like that group of four pass catchers to go with James Cook at running back. Ryan O'Halloran with us talking NFL. Big picture in the league. Um, what do you like? What do you not like? Do you, uh, they didn't They didn't make a, rules changes. Um, obviously, the, the paradigm shifted now, at least in playoffs. So you got to play overtime different. You don't take the ball now. I mean, where's the league right now? It's an unstoppable force uh, with a $255 million cap. I mean, teams thought it'd be 242. Yeah. I mean, that's basically two starters extra than they thought. Yeah, so right. it's only going to keep going up and up. To your question, point by point, the kickoff things, like 
trying to land a 747 on an aircraft carrier right now? What's 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 the right strategy? What isn't too hokey? Yeah. And what's going to get the boat to the owners who are traditionalists? Let's right. face it. So um, I don't expect a lot of rules changes. The touchback thing is, is probably hasn't gained any traction next month to even reach a boat. You but, mean the fumble into the end yes, zone? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, into the end zone. Which was a which was a big play in the Chiefs you, Bills game. You like the rule or no? I think it's fine because don't fumble it. I totally agree with that. You, how do you feel about that? No, well, yeah. I mean, we we've, we've talked about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Don't fumble. You got to protect the ball yeah, at it, the most crucial point on the field, yeah. and if you can't do that, yeah. you deserve to lose possession. Of and it. and it has it's going to come up this off season again, but it's the officiating. This game is moving too fast right now Agreed. for the officials who are on the field. That's not their fault. So, But I don't think the answer is being able to challenge every call because you tried that with pass interference, which was a panic change, and it was a terrible decision. One thing that I'm, I'm curious about is the trade deadline. I think the Browns are spearheading this. Yeah. I like this. Uh, it's week eight now. That's too early in a 17-game season for me. There, there's way too many teams that still believe we can get hot. And so why would we sell players? I like moving it to week 10. I'd be fine if it even went back a little further. Yeah. But I think the Browns are, are saying, let's move it back at least two weeks. Do you like uh, an adjustment there? I do. I, I would almost go a little bit further in week 10 um, because the further you get, the more action you're going to get. You look at the NBA way too early. The NHL is coming up on March 8th. I think that's a good one. MLB July thirty first, Frank. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? So it's, it is now. So a pers- and, and, it's there, the, and there's not a second one. Yeah, and so you know, I think there has to be enough played where the pretenders have been separated. But also, let's say you're a team that gets hot between week eight and week eleven, and it's like, all right, we got it. We have to pivot. Let's go be a, a buyer. I asked Bills general manager Brandon Bean that after the uh, during the season after the deadline, he liked it where it was at because he said, hey, you know, if you're a team like us. Or a team like the Jags, hey, you don't want to see a team acquire four guys to sort of you know sort of climb up instantly and sort of negate some of the work you've done. I don't really buy that, but um, I do think a later trade line trade deadline should should generate some interest and it's something the league office should really want. Ryan, your last three teams have been AFC teams, but you were kind of reared in the NFC in Washington. The um, why is the NF? Why is the NFC field duller? Just quarterbacks? Am I yeah. overthinking? It's just quarterbacks. Yeah, it is. And, and the NFC has the bigger markets. Yeah. I mean, when you know, I covered bad Washington teams. They still played four twenty-five. They still played night games yeah. because it was Washington, New York, Philly, Dallas. Right. Four right, marquee right. teams. You go to the AFC. You know, Cincinnati, Buffalo, Jacksonville, Houston, Cincinnati. All yeah. all non-major markets. But what you do? If you're bad, you get that quarterback, you hit on the quarterback, that makes you a big team, an attractive team. And I've never seen a conference this loaded. Are, the, are both are both one in, are both Chicago and Washington taking quarterbacks? Are they taking Drake May too? Uh, I would I, have I, to, right? I would yeah. say Jaden Daniels at two. You would. Uh, just you know, this maybe there's this that there's that dynamic there. You know, if you're New England you're screwed yeah. <laughs> because you're at three. If I'm New England, I would sort of put my focus on Justin Fields right now, hang on to that three pick, take Marvin Harrison if it's quarterback, quarterback. So what's, what's going to be interesting to me is not if Chicago takes a quarterback, is if, is if they do it at one. Yeah. Does Washington give them a great offer just to swap spots so Washington can be in control of the draft? Cliff Kingsbury can uh, coach Caleb Williams. But there's no way, there's no way. 
Chicago doesn't take Caleb Williams, is there? Uh, you, I mean, I go back to 18 where Sam Darnold was here as the presumptive number one pick. Well, Cleveland went with Baker Mayfield all along. Yeah, so yeah. you never know what the – to me it feels like Caleb Williams, the, the distance between him and the second quarterback is probably too great. If I'm the Bears, I stay put. I got the first pick. I got the ninth pick. I take – Caleb Williams at one, and I take the best available left tackle at nine. I, I told Hayes this, or I've been saying this all along. See, when Patrick Mahomes was taken, because he's like Michael Jordan, every team that didn't take him, how did you not take him? Who then how did the nine teams not take him? Well, you didn't know he's going to be Michael Jordan. Caleb Williams, there's a chance we do know. Mm-hmm. There's a chance we do think he's going to be. So, even if we're wrong, you can't risk that. Yeah, I mean, don't you agree? I mean, what if you what, if you don't take him? And he turns out to be Patrick Mahomes. Well, you kind of knew he might, right? Yeah, yeah. And nobody's going to blame you if it doesn't really That's my point. work out. Right. And, you know, it, the Bills-Mahomes thing is always a, an angle because the Bills traded out of that spot right. for the Chiefs to take Mahomes. The next year, the Bills used some of that collateral to move up to get Allen. Yeah. I mean, but, it's all revisionist but no, history. But nobody knew. You knew Patrick Mahomes might be pretty good. Yeah. But you didn't know this. You might know it on Caleb Williams. Yeah. And, and, and to me, it's going to be – um, is, is is the situation going to allow him yeah. to succeed? And, I mean, Kansas City, they had Alex Smith in-house. He started that whole 17th season. Right. And so it allowed Mahomes to really, you know, get comfortable. And let's face it, everything's lined up for Patrick in terms. He's had the same play caller. He's rotated through a couple of quarterback coaches. But when you have continuity, he's had yeah. Kelsey the whole time. Right. When you have that continuity – most oftentimes, quarterbacks fail partly because they're set up to. Yeah, no doubt about it. Free agency right around the corner. Uh, what do you see with Kirk Cousins? Where does he end up playing? And what are a couple other storylines for the new league gear that you're you're curious about? I mean, Cousins to me that is 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 the best the best situation for him is Minnesota. You have a nuclear weapon at receiver. Uh, you have a good tight end in Hawkinson, although he may be missing some time with the knee. So that's I, I think he sticks with Minnesota and. I think what you're going to see with the increased cap is you're going to see a lot of teams re-sign their guys, and you're going to see those players saying, okay, if the money is not you know close to equal, maybe I just stay where I'm comfortable. Because there's so often you see team, you know, players join another team, and they get cut after two years. They get traded. It doesn't, you know, it just is, is a mess, and you sort of leave the comfort comfort zone just for 120 cents on the dollar. So, I think the increased cap is not going to lead to a lot of wild spending. More so, in-house extensions. Final thing, Ryan, uh, with Ryan O'Halloran, I think the league missed an opportunity to get the Chiefs. Uh, mm-hmm. The Chiefs, as good as Brett Leach has been, they messed up by not building a better wide receiver core. The room was terrible, and. They found a way to win a championship with a bad wide receiver room. Well, they're going to fix that. I don't know how they're going to to fix that. Are the Chiefs – no one's unbeatable in the NFL. It's the wrong word. But, boy, they're hard to catch now, I would think. They're not unbeatable, but they're deemed to beat. Yeah. That kind of thing. And and, and you're you're right, Frank, is the Bills were 6-6 and after their bye going to Kansas City. And they won. You know, they've won in Kansas City three times in the regular season. And what you looked at at that game is – he has no weapons. Right. You know, they're, they're leaning. Pacheco missed that game. Kelsey, the quote Bill Simmons on his podcast, Travis Kelsey has pretty much two and a half good quarters a game in him at this yeah. point of his career. Yeah. And he was a non-factor. And if that Gator 
They're going to line up right. Linesman should have told him. Come on, linesman guy. Linesman should have told me you were a yard and a half offside. That linesman was yeah. a summit. <laughs> yard, uh, yard and a half offside. So, but yeah. The shame of that joke is that we can't somehow blame that on Billy Napier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could. <laughs> you could. <laughs> Who's going to win more games this week, Todd Golden this week or Billy Napier next year? Uh, I'm going I'm going to go with Todd Golden. <laughs> Thanks more. Thank you, Mia. <laughs> wins more for the rest of the uh, rest of the basketball but, season than Napier gets in the fall. But really quick, Frank, I, I do agree, is the Chiefs won it with their – change up this year right now they're going to retool and they're going to go back to throwing 98 down the well, paint that's the bottom line that's exactly that's perfectly said they want it without their fastball their arms healed by next year ryan o'halloran checking the great work ryan good to see you man. thanks guys let's talk a little golf when we come back lee smith joins us from the players championship stay with us the frangie show live from the hastings injury law firm studios on 1010xl hit back with hastings Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. Hodges Mazda presents the Frangie Show at the Combine. Brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida on 1010XL. All right, let's talk a little golf. Our buddy Lee Smith is in. We're getting closely to that, uh, that big week. How you doing, buddy? How are you? Doing very well. Thanks, Frank. I, you know, I, I figured you'd probably ask about... Uh, my sleep deprivation deprivation meter um, to kick it off. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. By the way, thank you. No, it's pretty thank good you for right coming now. Out last week. Good. Thanks for coming out, by the way, last week for our, 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 our ribbon cutting. I appreciate you doing that and standing in the rain. Uh, Lee, I'm the only person in the world that can put on a ribbon cutting, and there's only 12 minutes of rain, and it happened during the 20 minutes we were doing that. So uh, thanks for being part <laughs> yeah. of it. We sure appreciate that. You're right. No, that was, that hey, was fun and, and awesome facility. Uh, Lee, update us. Uh, anything, anything, any uh, problems? Uh, how's the course? Uh, any, any new spot? I mean, you're getting close now. Is it? It's kind of, it's kind of rug cutting time here. Anything to reporters? Everything, all systems are go. Yeah, no, I, I um, a, a couple of things, Frank. I think uh, across the wire now, we're uh, we actually have sold out of our uh, general parking on Friday. Um, okay as of today so uh so certainly those that are planning to come friday uh you know obviously there's alternate opportunities with uh, our ride share presented by true green and golf carts and our nocatee and jacksonville shuttles those types of things but certainly shows the the interest um this is very similar timing to last year so we're certainly uh excited to to see that interest in uh, and excitement from the fans uh, wish we had a lot more, uh, you know, accessibility to parking, but uh, certainly excited to, uh, to to be selling out. We're very close on a couple of our venues on the golf course, too. Uh, the deck that's there on 16 and 18. So, um, you know, those are things that uh, for those of you that want to get in uh, and get those tickets now, it's, uh, it's a great opportunity to get it. Um, the golf course, hey, Frank, is in... Golf course is in great shape. Sorry, um, it's uh, you know we're kind of turning it over to Mother Nature now. The last two weeks, and hope that we can uh, control the control the moisture, and uh, and control the firmness that uh, the product that we put out there. Haley, great to talk with you. I, I'm I'm curious. We talked last time about you know look for guys that are in good form. I we'll really start to see that over the next couple of weeks. 
But who are some – what's your gut feeling on some players that you think are going to arrive with a lot of momentum? I'll tell you one hey, that, that really jumps out at me for one reason or another is I, I, I just feel like there's there's a Jordan Spieth whiff in the air. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's had some good moments at some tournaments this year. And, um, you know, I, I think that uh, that he'll come in with some confidence and kind of, you know, he's got some buddies in Ricky and Justin and Rory that have uh, have won this golf tournament before. So I think he's, He's got something to prove at the Players' Championship. Um, and then, you know, some of those young players that, that have won already, I think will certainly be exciting to watch. Uh, you know, I mean, how impressive with Jake Knapp uh, this past week, you know, coming down the stretch, nobody nobody really from behind gave him much of a push. But, um, you know, he really looks like he's got an impressive game. And we're excited to have Nick Dunlap, uh, you know, coming out to the Players' Championship as a, as an amateur to, to, you know, win out in California and really show his medal around here. So, um, you know, and then I think last time we talked about Matsuyama who can't be in much better form and has had some success around here, you know, previously. So, you know, going to be a lot of people that start the week with a chance. And as we know, after four rounds, the, uh, the cream rises to the top here around the stadium course. Lee, when everybody gets to Florida, now the old Florida swing was Doral, Honda, Bay Hill here. It's changed a little bit, but we're coming to Florida now. We're going to be in Palm Beach Gardens, Bay Hills right before our event. It almost seems like for us the golf season starts then. Do you feel that way? I mean, I know it started before that, but for us that have lived in Florida the whole time, I feel like the Florida swing, as we used to call it, was kind of when this whole thing kicks off. Do you feel that way? Does your blood get boiling when they come to Florida at all? Yeah, you know, absolutely, Frank. I think, I think sometimes because the, the the California and West Coast swings, the Florida swings are totally different. Um, you know, going from playing on, uh, you know, Poa up and down the, the the West Coast to coming here and playing on Bermuda grass, you you tended to see that horses for courses, people that played well on the West Coast and didn't didn't translate to the East Coast and and vice versa. But but certainly when you come to to Florida and now with a signature event with the Cognizant Classic this week with a with as good a field as they've had in a long time, uh, API is a signature event uh, the following week right before us, and then the Players Championship as you crawl up the coast. That it is this is this is the exciting time, and you know it's the reason why the Players Championship is in March is is to really kick off the season of championships and. And uh, and really kick off the golf season with a bang. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, Lee, we've talked about this, but it's such a great policy, and I'd I'd love for you to remind people about, you know, if if you've got a a, a child that yep. that would would like to attend, if 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 you have a ticket, that child can come with you. Give us a, a refresher on that uh, that tremendous grow the game policy you guys have. Yeah, thank you for that. It's um, we we do we think it's a a big time growth of the game program and uh, and we think it competes with uh any family oriented program in all of sports but a uh, an adult uh ticket holder can bring up to two uh youth 15 or under uh in for free so if you're an adult ticket holder you can bring uh right to the gate bring your your children or a child and a and a friend that are 15 and under and they get in free it's just a uh, a great program for us to run to see the kids running around um, 
and uh, and see them get off to autograph, meet their heroes, uh, you know, those types of things is just uh, just an awesome sight. Lee, with your job, do you can you get to other tour events? I guess beforehand you can't, but I mean, almost a preview a little bit. I mean, they're in Palm Beach Gardens. They're going to be in Bay Hill. When do they go to Copperhead? Copperhead's after, right? Copperhead's after your yeah. event. I think it's Copperhead. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, do, do you do you get out to those at all, or is it not? There's no need to it, or too much to do here. How does that work? No, I, I think it's a it's a good question. I think I I try to go to three or four different events. You know, one one reason why tournament directors and executive directors have have do a lot of that in the past is, you know, to partly recruit players to their events. We're we're fortunate right. here at the Players Championship where we don't we don't have to recruit um, and right. and get out here and and get people to come. But um, you know, at the same time, you always want to uh, keep track of what's new. Um, What's uh, you know what maybe doesn't work uh, at particular places. So going and and seeing you know different products, different uh, outside the ropes hospitality venues, different themes, uh, those types of things are always really really important. And then uh, another part of that is industry professionals, Frank. Whether it's Augusta, whether it's the Tour Championship, um, you know it's it's always great to stay in contact with your partners business leaders, industry professionals, that type of thing when you go to other tournaments. You don't want to, you know, certainly don't want to be seen just one week a year throughout the golf industry. Lee, I'm I'm glad you brought up the the fact that you guys don't have to recruit because the spoils that the winner gets uh, for winning the Players' Championship, it's remarkable. What the remind us about the prize money, but also the the exemptions that the players champion gets and in all the other signature events. Yeah, it's uh look, it's a, it's a haul. I mean, you, you, you look at uh, just start with just winning a tournament, um, you know, like Jake Knapp uh, did and, and what comes along with winning that golf tournament and the multi-year exemptions and those types of things. And here at the players championship, we're certainly proud um, you know, to, to have the largest prize in golf, uh, $25 million purse, as well as a, uh, almost four and a half million dollar first prize. Uh, and then the multi-year exemptions that come along with, with playing in this tournament, as well as in the signature events, as well as boosting you up in those, uh, you know, which are, have become popular now, uh, with the new schedule, the, the Aon, uh, swing fives and tens that uh, allow you to get in all those signature events it's it's super valuable um and certainly something that uh, that the players keep track of and it's always nice when you know a player like matthew pavone as an example uh you know wins a golf tournament and all of a sudden he gets in these five or or ten that allows him to get into these signature events which uh you know he starts playing for bigger purses starts playing with smaller fields uh and just an opportunity for him to you know, almost go from from a relative unknown here in the states to building his career and and becoming a star. Lee Smith, the executive director of the Players Championship. All right, I need a number for you. We're giving away two tickets to the Wednesday practice round, and man, that is right around the corner. It's two weeks from today. Right, yeah. two weeks from today. I'm Absolutely. excited about that. Yep. Uh, and a gift certificate to Top Dog. I know you've been thinking about this all day, Lee. Give me a number. Give me a good number here. I'm going to go with number four today. I'm, going to, I'm picking unique numbers each time, Frank. 
Okay, I like it. That's Lou Gehrig's number, Carline. Did you know that? That's right. Lou Gehrig's And also, in honor of the combine, Lee can probably run a 40 in, in about four <laughs> That's seconds. That's exactly right. So, there you go. I can right, maybe Leo. drink a 40. Maybe drink a 40. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're right with you, bro. Lee Smith, executive director of the play. He'll be in studio with us next, next week. Yeah. We'll be a week Absolutely. out. We'll be less than a week out. So you'll be in studio with us. Lee, thanks, buddy. Look forward to catching up with you. We appreciate it, man. Thanks. Absolutely. Travel safe. All right, thanks, buddy. Lee Smith, a good guy, executive director of the players. And, again, caller four now, 641-1010. Caller number four, you get two tickets to the Wednesday practice round and a gift certificate to go to Top Dog. We'll take a break. When we come back, back to Indianapolis. My buddy Joe Collins, one of my favorite people. He was the defensive coordinator in Jacksonville for one year. I thought he did a good job. I thought he was up against all the odds. Uh, but he was there for one year. Long before that, he was the defensive line coach. He's now the defensive line coach with the Kansas City Chiefs, and all he does is win rings. I asked him if those rings get tiring. He said, no, no, he, he, like, he likes the collection. Joe Cullen, the former Jaguar defensive coach, now the line coach from the Kansas City Chiefs. He'll talk about the Chiefs, the Jags, and a whole lot more right after this. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. 1010XL takes you to the NFL Scouting Combine. Hodges Mazda presents the Frangie Show, live from Indy. Brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida. Frank Frangie with my pal Joe Cullen. Wearing yet another ring. How many rings are you going to have over there? How are you, buddy? Doing great, Frank. Appreciate you having me on. And always a pleasure to have an opportunity to talk to you. Great friend of mine as well. Winning ever get old? Winning doesn't get old, does it? No, I tell you, it was, it was a great year. Obviously, back-to-back uh, Lombardi trophies is special. But I, mean, I think uh, this one was even better. The first one always is great. But the second one, I don't think many gave us a chance after we lost to the Raiders on Christmas. And... Um, guys just kept staying with it coach reed and the staff did a great job but coach's message was you know we got to get better we got to clean things up and we can get to where we want to go and he was right and the guys just bought in and, and we went to work we beat cincinnati so we clinched the division right and then uh we had a game against the Chargers. it didn't mean anything but we talked about our standard and we we beat him 13 to 12 scored on defense and then and then we won four straight the culture seems really good there. And I can, you and I have this talk a lot. Uh, Doug Peterson's built that here, too. He's an Andy Reid guy. Boy, the culture seems good in Kansas City, that you can overcome adversity. Am I reading that right? Is that, is that accurate? No, I think you hit it right on the head, Frank. I mean, the, the, when things go bad, sometimes during the season or you face adversity, you always go back to your roots and you know it starts in training camp with coach reed but it starts at the top with our owner mr hunt uh coach reed you know brett veach and then the staff but coach has built a great culture there it's one that you enjoy coming in the building but when you come into the building you better expect to get better yeah yeah and that's that's the standard that coach reed holds coaches and players do as well as coach spags you practice all the time for people that don't know joe's the defensive line coach with the chiefs and keeps winning titles you practice against this guy mahomes every day what's he like is he funny is he a down-to-earth guy what's he like to practice against well he's a great guy he's a, he's a great person number one great human being treats people the way that he wants to be treated right with respect but he's a competitor now. So yeah, everything yeah. he does, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's an OTA, a walkthrough, or yeah. it's a practice and training camp. He wants to win. So he said, what, same question about Kelsey. Is he crazy? Kelsey looks like he's crazy to me. He's got to be kind of crazy. He's got to be a little bit crazy. Kelsey's a little crazy in a good way. But he, uh, I tell you, he gave a speech the night before 
coach had a couple guys talk to the team pat chris and, and kelsey was epic it was yeah one for the ages and uh but he backed everything up and he plays with passion you know there's a there's a time in the year hey has kelsey done this kelsey lost that step done this but then bang he, he makes the plays when they have to be made and he he comes up big in big games hall of famer best best that ever played the position we always hear joe about that everyone's heard about that pregame that he gave but is that normal? I mean, is it do, do players typically do that? Do coaches typically ask players to do that? There are certain certain times over my 17 years in the NFL that coaches have asked that, and coach doesn't ask that a lot. But when okay. he does, it's for a reason. And uh, those were our three leaders, you know, Pat, Kels, and Chris, and they all did a great job. But Kelsey's was—I don't want to say it was personal, but. He, he was passionate, and it was you wanted to just go play right after that speech. Is that right? Yeah, he did, he did a great job. How long is Andy Reid going to go? He's 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 older. He's one year older. Than me. He's like sixty six, I think. And he, I mean, how about this? I was talking to Prisco about this the other day. That if he averaged thirteen wins for the next what four or five years, he'll pass Shula or something. I mean, think unbelievable. About that. You think about it. He's he's. I believe this is accurate. The only coach to win a hundred games at two different teams. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, that's amazing. Been to five Super Bowls. He got his third Super Bowl win. Uh, legendary. He's a, he's a Hall of Fame coach, and you know he loves what he's doing. Uh, he's young at heart, and you know he he, he loves. He, nothing's changed since I've been there. I mean, I think he's gonna keep going until he decides not to. What's he like as a boss? Oh, he's great. Great to work for. Uh, he's just holds you accountable, but. Yeah. He's a, he's a great family man, uh, just great to be around. Yeah, tell me about uh, Chris Jones. Is he the best? Is he the best lineman you've ever coached? Yes, hands down. Hands down. Yeah, Why? The, Why is he so good? One, he uh, one he has. The, first of all, he the God gifted ability he has is second to none. Got to have the hardware. Six foot six, almost three hundred pounds. Runs like a deer. He's agile. He's flexible. He loves football. He loves to compete. He loves to prepare like he we didn't see him all offseason and when he was staying in touch with them all that knew he was staying in shape he came in jacksonville week yeah the detroit game was the first game of the year he held out came in the jacksonville week. i go i'm gonna put you on a pitch count it was 100, 117 on the field now yeah now you know that frank no, i you do were, it was a heck of a game but we don't have chris jones i don't know if we win that game yeah you know that yeah i mean he had, yeah. he had a sack and a half sack fumble at the end he just right. made play after play every time you seem to have to make a play he made the play and he played a close to 40 snaps that day without just a couple of days of practice in those conditions in the heat and i mean that's just what he was all about and he and he continued to get better throughout the year but when he when he goes and you can double team him you can he, he demanded more double teams than anybody in the nfl and he still had one of the highest win rates in terms yeah. of his pass rush. But he's just a special breed. And he's a great person. I don't get the impression, bad news for the rest of us, I guess, that there's any stop in that train. Now, look, somebody might beat the Chiefs at some point. I hope it's us one day. But, but, but everything, the culture seems good. The key players are there. Um, Mahomes is, what, 28? 28. I mean, so, um, I mean, this train's going to keep right on going, I think, right? And how you guys, I mean, we watched the Patriots do it, right? Well, you know, you, you think about um, where, where Pat Mahomes is at his age. Yeah. Where Tom was at his age. And you look at the stats and you look at the yeah, great ahead. ones. You look at the, at the, at the uh, Montanas. You look yeah. at the Bradshaws. And you look at the guys that have been in those situations where you win three titles. It's like. This guy's got another 
eight years, ten years yeah, yeah. at this pace, and he, and he loves to compete. No, that's not good news for the rest of us, Joe. That's good news for Kansas City. And hey. then you keep, you keep, I mean, no one left the staff. I know, I know. No, but, I mean, you got Coach Reed, you got Spags. I mean, you look at a Hall of Fame head coach, Hall of Fame defensive coordinator. Right, agreed. You know, Matt Nagy's been there twice now as a coordinator. Yeah, yeah. Coach Pat in between when Eric was a coordinator. you got continuity. Tom Melvin's been a coach since he was in Philly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Dave Merritt's got four, super, five Super Bowl rings now. Right. He's been with Spags in New York and here. Brendan Daly, he was yeah. in New England. He won three. Now he's got three Everyone's here. still there. Yeah. You know, so now I got my second. I'm trying to catch up. But, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> but no, it's just All a great, right. great environment. And it starts at the top with, with Mr. Hunt, Mark Donovan, our president, yeah. and, and uh, who was in Philly with Coach. And then, uh, and then Coach, it just trickles down. Joe Cullen with us, obviously, uh, defensive coordinator in, in the past with the Jaguars and a longtime defensive line coach here. I know you follow this team from afar. You have a home in Jacksonville. What did you think of the Jaguars this year? We were all a little surprised it ended the way it did. What was your take on Jacksonville? Well, I think they were a really good football team. I think, you know, they weren't sneaking up on anybody. Right. You know, we, we had the three wins, and, and then, you know, Coach Peterson came in. The staff did a great job. The players did a great job. Got a few different pieces, and the guys just really clicked. They, they won what the end of the year was six wins rather than losing. But, you know, at one time, I mean, our game was down a one-score game. Yeah. And then you look at they lost some tough games. But, you know, people were gearing up for them, too. You know, because they, you know, Trevor was playing really well. The offensive weapons they had, they played well defensively. So I just think it's one of those things where at the end of the year, they win one game, they win the division. It's right. not like they right. fell off the face of the earth here. So they're, they're really close. I think they got really good players in place. And I think they had a winning record. So I think Coach Peterson will, will bounce that team back. And they'll be a, a team that you have to be not in fear of, but be say, hey, this is a this is a team that could beat anybody on any given Sunday. So, let me, you've been around so long. You've, you said 17 years in the league. You've been on teams that struggled. You've been on teams that won everything. Is that, I think what you said is interesting because I think there's something to that that when you're not sneaking up on everybody and, and you're getting everybody's best shot, well, they, the Chiefs are the ultimate example of that. But, but even with the Jaguars, they probably got a better shot this year than they did in the past. That's real, isn't it? When you're on the field coaching, you can tell when another team knows you're kind of elite, can't you? No, there's no question about that. You know, Coach always talks about, like, this year, you're getting everybody's best shot. Right. Defending Super Bowl champs. And then he said, next year, you're going to double that effect. A, they're gunning to beat you. They want to be the team that knocks you off. Yeah, right. So when the Jags won the division and then won the playoff game, played us tough last year in the playoffs, then, you know, projections are here. There, sure. Which, you know, everybody talks about. But people are like, okay, we got a really good team coming in, or we have to go play a really good team down there. you got Trevor Lawrence, who's, who's becoming an elite quarterback. you got really good weapons on offense. Yeah. You know, so you, get, you, better, you better be at your best to beat them. And I think, I think there is something to be said for that. Yeah, I think, team, I think and teams have to learn how to deal with that. I tell people that the Jaguars went out, went, came out of nowhere and won nine games, won a division, won a playoff game. Well, now all of a sudden people think they're good. You've got to learn how to be the team that people think is good. Right? You, know, you, you look back, you, know, you look at this year, 9-8, and eight, correct? Yep. Last year, 
won 10 games with the playoff win. When's the last time the Jags went back-to-back winning years? Tell me when that was. Uh, that was oh, a, yeah, that 100 was a, years ago. That I was mean, with Jack, yeah, maybe, yeah, way back yeah, early. Yeah, that, that, that thing, <laughs> I want to say 04, 05, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So, that, so you think about that almost two decades. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the fan base, they're a good team. They get players in place. They got good coaches. And and yeah. I think I think they'll be a team to be be reckoned with. Let me ask you about you. You could have you could have had the Michigan defensive coordinator job under Sharon Moore. I know you considered that. At the end of the day, you didn't take it, and they wound up with Wink. Um, what was your thinking there? How close did you come to taking that job? Well, I'll tell you, I was flattered when yeah. it came out of nowhere. You yeah. know, I, I do. I was close with the Harbaugh family yeah. and Jim, new Jim, and Jesse Minner and I worked together. We're friends. Yep. I think it was one of those things where Coach Moore was looking to keep that defense in place. Right. And then my name must have came up a couple times, did his research, and then we're getting ready after we beat Baltimore. So you get the two weeks. Yep. So Coach Reed calls me, and he says, I, you mind coming down here a second? I said, yeah, no. What's up, Coach? He said, well, Michigan just called. He's in the area recruiting, but he wants permission to talk to you. I said, no problem. Yeah. But I, I go, Coach, I'm, I, don't, I haven't even talked to anybody, and I'm, I'm worried sure. about the Super Bowl. And then he called, talked to him, and then called again the next day, offered the job. Yeah. Flattered, like I said, but I was, I was. Were really, you close? Were you close to taking it? Well, I was really thinking hard about it. Yeah. And then I said, you know, I just got to worry about the Super Bowl, and then, uh, and then, and my heart was in Kansas City, so I stayed yeah. in Kansas City. But I, I was really appreciative of Coach Moore. Uh, he seemed great with what he's done there, and you know, filling in for Jim, and then obviously getting the job. So. At the end of the day, I decided to stay in uh, Kansas City. All right. Keep the staff together. Keep the team together. Keep the band on the road. It's great catching up with you. I'm glad we, we get to see you in Jacksonville every now and then. Huh? You got a home there. Or you, you, get, yes. you get to home every now and then. How often do you get to Jacksonville? How, you guys work all the time. I mean, you got to get to, you got to get away every now and then, right? Well, when we get breaks, like spring break, we'll go down there. Yeah. Easter, we'll go down there. And then yeah. this year, last year, we went to Hawaii for our 10th anniversary wedding anniversary. That's pretty good. Family. This That's year, we're good. staying down in. There you go. So we'll be down there. Joe, great catch enough. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you, Frank. My friend Joe Cullum, the defensive line coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. More in a moment. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Live from Indy, Hodges Mazda presents The Frangie Show at the Combine. Brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida on 1010XL. Hayes Carlion, Mia O'Brien, former libero on that Ithaca Roadhawks <laughs> volleyball team. Uh, one of these yeah, days I'll we're going to get that. One, right. one of these days we're going to get the microphone right. I was going to say, you, you have the, look, the lane is there. I know. I, I'm, first of all, I'm the size of a, of a, a coxswain, right? That's how you pronounce coxswain. it. Okay. Ithaca has a very good crew team. Oh. It was waiting. Well, we already, got, we already have a show coxswain, though. Yeah, yeah it was literally waiting for you. Um, yeah. or, we don't have a libero. I also play goalie, so okay. that also was waiting for you. The lane was right there. I mean, you have to understand, I just make stuff up. I know. <laughs> I actually <laughs> wish I we didn't have volleyball. I don't know if you knew that or not, but True that's kind of what I do. We really don't have volleyball in high school in New Jersey. Well, that's dumb. Why I'm, don't we do it? Why don't we yeah, do it? It's only a handful of schools that do, and a lot of okay. them have more boys' teams than they okay. do girls, which is kind of weird. So okay. I move out to Iowa, and, like, girls' volleyball is, like, 
the biggest freaking thing. Yeah, and right. I was like, well, dang, I didn't realize this. So, yeah. Are you from Flemington, New Jersey? No, I'm from Freehold. Close. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go to Flemington. You know why? Yeah. Because Dan Federici from the uh, Springsteen East Street Band, God rest his souls, from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So from now on, you'll probably be from Flemington. I'm just telling you. That's kind of how the show <laughs> well, how the franchise you know, show goes. His extended uh, family, the Federici's, own the most famous pizzeria in Freehold. So it works. Really? Yeah. Even though he's from Flemington. Yeah, how there close, you go. How close is Flemington? That's a good question. I'm looking that up. See that? She fits right in. I'm looking at that. She's having to look up dumb stuff that I make up. Flemington. (laughs) You have to look up up dumb stuff that I make up, then you fit right into the program. Oh, he's he's from there? Yeah, he's from Flemington. Okay, so so Flemington is like this weird, like, I don't want to call it like Bermuda Triangle, but like between where the Pennsylvania suburbs are, where Princeton is. So, like, it's like 25 minutes from Freehold. Right right there. It's like Bridgewater, Princeton. Okay. Freehold, Monmouth County, and then like randomly over here, okay, just right like on. it's it's like in the middle. How was your steak last night? Here it is. It's very good. Um, did you enjoy your steak? I, I enjoyed our commentary, or my um, I should say feedback from our waitress yeah. because I was like, hey, I feel like I should, you know, I always. This is really funny, by the way. This I, is- yeah, I always do. I always do my steaks Oscar style when I'm out and about. Right. But I was like, I, I've never had it Izzy. I probably should because I'm at Harry and Izzy's. And she was like, <laughs> do you like pepper? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, do you like pepper? And I was like, I mean, I like spicy, but like, well, what do you mean? She said, don't do it. She's like, no, nah, <laughs> She honey. talked her out. She no. talked Because I had said to her, she I was like, you down. I think I I'm like going to pivot from what I normally do right. and try this out. And she was like, yeah, no. So went with Oscar style, uh, got the Brussels sprouts. More importantly, thank you to our accommodations, the fact that we have a refrigerator, um, because that means that I, I, yeah. I brought some home. Yeah. So I will have a midnight snack we later had, on. We had six of us. Five of us got steak. Johnny O got some fish thing. No, yeah. he got lobster ravioli. What's he doing? Yeah. What's the he matter does, with he him? He doesn't get steak. He, he got the lobster, though. What's the matter with yeah. him? He got no. lobster, though, so I'm okay yeah, yeah, with yeah. it. No, he's not, I'm not okay with it because he's – what's the matter with him? Just know. in general, Johnny O. Oh, he's funny, him. but yeah, – he's, Yeah, uh, he's sometimes funny. He thinks he's funny. The uh, um, Your impressions on day two? What jumped off the page? Yeah, well, my quick hits are now live on all of our social channels, so if you would like to check those out, a little bit more uh, du- nuanced analysis here. Um you know, I, I think Hayes hit the nail on the head, you know, when it comes to the defensive linemen. The, those two guys for Texas on the interior were, were going to be the stars of the show. Um, easily had some of the larger contingents. I think the storyline that Florida State had five guys between two position groups on day one I agree. is very overlooked. I think that Mike Norvell should be taking a John Calipari-type victory lap right now because what he has done in that program over the last four years – is something that I can tell you being here four years ago, being here three years ago, two years ago, no one saw coming. And so it's it's once again a tip of the cap to the Knowles and what they've been able to build out there. Um, and, you know, hearing from Jared Verse, hearing from Braden Fisk, um, you know, guys that transferred into that program, bought in, are considered Knowles for life now, it, it speaks to the culture they're building. And so I was I was definitely impressed with their, their contingent. I was honestly bummed, um, you know, as much as I enjoyed recording and filming our uh, Voices of the AFC South podcast, right, right. which is now live on the 1010XL yeah, podcast you, network you and YouTube channel. Thank you. As much as I enjoyed filming that, I was bummed because even our friend James Coleman said to me, I was there from the start with Kalen Deloach and yeah. his dad up at their the gym that they run, the factory in Savannah with all the other high school and college prospects. And so I was bummed that I didn't get a chance to see Kalen because, you know, he's like, you were there at the start. So and he was a guy that was recruited by Willie Taggart and stayed. And so I think those five players, you saw a little bit of everything. And, of course, there's still several other members of that contingent to still hit the floor and hit the media availability. To this put week. in perspective what Mia just said, there's seven position groups. 
two showed up today, linebackers and defensive line. And FSU had five players. Yeah. Five players in the two. And they got seven more coming. It's, it's a, and they have seven Everyone more. wants to talk about Michigan and their yeah, 18 I agree players. With you, me, like, I agree with you. Guess what? 12 yeah. from Florida State? Yeah. That's well, massive. We were here last year, and there was only one player. Now one we player. knew what was coming. Right. right. So we knew next they all year ran it, back. it was yeah, going to be this kind of a contingent. But uh, but yeah, it's it's it speaks volumes about where Mike Norvell has brought the the Florida State yeah. program, and I think this will. I mean, twelve obviously you're not going to do that every year, but I think it's it's going to be a regular occurrence now that FSU is really in that that top echelon of schools that are producing NFL talent because that's what they've always been. They just had a dip, you know, and they're out of it now, and they look like they're back to elite form. Give us a sneak preview about tomorrow because I think tomorrow is. The gigantic day for the Jaguars. Well, it's big because, uh, as Hayes and I both noted in our instant reaction uh, videos from yesterday, uh, yeah, corner at 17, inevitable. The dream of interior offensive line, dead. <laughs> Maybe not dead. I, I said this on primetime earlier. Maybe it's a smoke screen, but I can tell you this. One of the Jaguars' first three picks in the NFL draft will be one of the elite corners. Um, I, I know I've been kind of like racking my brain knowing the Colts have a need at corner, you would think there's going to be another club, whether it's the Minnesota Vikings, if they don't go quarterback, knowing um, the scheme that they run up, let, up, run up there. Um, you would think, okay, Terry and Arnold's probably gone. Um, you would think maybe maybe there's a team that falls in love with Cooper DeGene, um, which is that it, you it DeGene? DeGene. Yeah, DeGene. Okay. Yeah, so very much possibility right. of that. Quinion Mitchell has been one of the fastest risers this draft cycle. Um, Daniel Jeremiah, though, has mocked him to the Jaguars twice. I spoke with somebody with the Houston Texans camp, and they really like Quinion Mitchell. So if he somehow was to fall past the Jaguars, he then becomes a problem potentially if he lands in the AFC South elsewhere. Um, and so – yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting because now, and I'm I'm kind of excited that you know I, I joked with somebody just now. I'm like, okay, we got the Doug and the Pre- Doug Press Phil, you know, D- Doug Press, Doug Press, Rousher, Trent, all those offensive line, Luke Fortner. We got all that done yesterday. We got the AFC South podcast done today. Tomorrow we can focus on the corners, and I'm, like, very excited for that so that we can actually get in the weeds of, uh, you know, talking to some of these prospects. I mean, I think it's going to be – I think absolutely we are going to see, if it's not the 17th pick, it's the second-round pick. It is is obvious such a need for them now. Uh, Again, for Trent Baalke to say we don't have a third corner right now. And, again, I think you look at free agency, I I don't really know that they're going to be able to – solve it like you would want to uh, in free agency. So there are other positions I think absolutely you can. Guard, center, I think you can solve that in free agency. Interior defensive line, we talked about Nielsen's connections. I, I think you can solve that. I don't know that they can solve corner. Uh, and so I, I, I'm really excited about tomorrow because I think we're going to be looking – somebody in the eyes that's going to be the 17th pick in the draft of the Jaguars, assuming they yeah. stay where they are. Because, again, a lot of times, too, it's just – can you trust the board? Is is the board going to be receptive to, to what you need? I think it is. I mean, Arnold maybe is gone, but I, I think there's four or five guys that are prime contenders at corner to be the 17th pick, and I will be shocked if more than one of them is gone by the 17th yeah. pick. Because, again, we've talked about it. If four quarterbacks go, there's, that means you're you're taking the 13th player in this draft that is not a quarterback. And, and, you got all the receivers, let me, you got all let me, the offensive linemen. Let me ask you, uh, both of you, start with you because you just said it. 
if if it and it does feel like it's cornerback, and I didn't think that before I got to Indianapolis. Neither did I. I but it does feel like that now. If it is cornerback, and if your assessment is right that only one's gone, do you back up a little bit? I mean, if you can, you could. Yeah. I mean, I mean, oh, I you, think I mean, they'd love to do that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean they I mean, worked a master class last year with yeah, Anton, and Anton. Yeah, yeah. I started hearing about Anton in mid-February. Yeah. Anton was their guy from the beginning of the process, yeah. and so maybe you know it's late February now. Maybe yeah. we start hearing if they have an idea. Of who but I mean, that if there's three. If there's if there's if there's three yeah. that they like, and you can move the, to twenty one and pick up yeah. an extra third rounder. That's yep. right. Why yeah. wouldn't you? Do so, that? Which would help you because yeah. you're Absolutely. probably losing that in the Calvin Ridley. Yeah, yeah. So it'll, yeah. Be, it'll be very interesting to see. With all right, hey, great work. Thank um, you. Also, don't forget the tight ends are tomorrow too. I know yeah, yeah. it is a, a very lean class. It's like Brock Bowers and no one else. The, yeah, right. The, the, yeah. the Texas yeah. Sanders yeah. out of Texas. I saw him walking got, around. But it is Brock Bowers. But it's it's literally Brock Bowers compared to last year where there was so many great ones. Correct. This year it's literally Brock Bowers and. No one else. Jaheim Bell will be here. Uh, there you go, Florida State. Fans. Yeah, and that's, that's don't say a good I, don't point. say I never did anything nice who's for you. A, who, who's a good player? He is a good player, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I don't mean to disparage yeah. the group, but no, you, but it's you, true. You've got a, probably the biggest gap going one to two mm-hmm. in the draft this year. And any probably position. tied in because he's great as Caleb Williams is. Yeah, you know, Jane Daniels is going to have his supporters. Drake May is going to have his supporters. Uh, you know, even Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, neighbors. There's a lot of people that, that think Neighbors is right there. Daniel with Jeremiah him. has Roman Dunze as his best yeah, overall so, player besides uh, Marv. Tight end's really probably the, 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 the position where there's one guy and then a big drop off. Yeah, and we debated it on primetime earlier today. What happens if he's there at 17? I would take him. Who? Brock Bowers. Well, I, I would not take Bowers in verse. Verse. Yeah, I think right. Verse. If they're both there, that yeah, changes yeah, it I'm, because one is a clear need. Yeah, yeah I would take Verse. Versus, I had a talk yeah. with one of my buddies on the golf course the other day. He's a Georgia guy, and he said, "I can't believe that some people would take Verse over Bowers." I said, "I would take Verse over Bowers." That doesn't mean I think he's going to be a better player. That means the Jags have a tight end. The Jags have a move tight end, which is what Bowers. And is. you did just invest yeah. a second round pick yeah. in a tight end. Yeah, yeah. Now, you want to expand yeah, yeah. his yeah. role yeah. in the so, offense I mean, yeah. here too. But but it, but even Brenton Strange, notwithstanding. Yeah. You've got to move tight end. They're right. truly two different positions. Yes. And they're both move tight ends. And you've got to move tight end. You've got to find pass rush. I, I would take Bowers if, if let's say, Verse is gone, uh, no one else of, of consequence falls to 17, and maybe you're looking at taking the third corner. Uh, to me, this is, this is how I would look at the first round if I was the Jaguars. If you take Brock Bowers, you're never going to regret that pick. No. Well, that's right. I mean, yeah. you might regret t- taking a Toledo corner. Yeah. Uh, you know, you you might regret. Uh, I agree I, with that. I, I don't, you might regret the, taking the, Arnold. The whole the whole I mean, val- the whole value over need thing. Well, he's the ultimate value. Oh, he, I mean, he's, he's I mean, if, I'll be even despite if he's not, first yeah, round tight great, end, yeah. fifth round or yeah. fifth year option. Yeah, yeah, but, he, but he, he would be the, yeah. he's going to be a really good professional. In today's NFL, particularly when when tight ends are all the rage, he is going to be the ultimate. He will be a very, very good NFL player. In fact, of all the guys in the draft, if you ask me which guys I'm most sure of. That will be good in barring injury. They'll be yeah. good NFL players. He might be first on the list. I mean, he in, might, terms, in terms of most. Certain, that's most people. Yeah, yeah. That, that he'll be. He might catch sixty touchdowns from yeah. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, that's right. Right. I mean, over the course of their career. But and that's I, where, but, like, but I, mean, I don't think he's there. By the way, I don't think he. I don't, I don't think he will be here. But that's yeah. where, like, you say. But it's a fun. Yeah, you, you say. To, look, yeah, you got to run through the scenarios. Right. You got to be prepared because you just don't know right. what's going to happen in the first and sixteen. And again, we'll learn so much more after free agency. Mia, thank you. We'll take a break. Hayes and I'll be back there. Gator basketball game tonight? There is. Is there a UNF game tonight? There is. Is there a JU game tonight? 
Yes. All at home. All in the state of Florida. All, all played in North yeah. Florida. All need to win. I hear our Jaguars fan, fan, uh, friends here are big fans of Chaz Lanier's. Yes, going to be watching <laughs> yes, adamantly. They are. Yes, They're going to yeah. be living and dying with every <laughs> minute are. of the UNF game tonight. We'll, we'll explain that and more after this. Uh, it's 1010XL at 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. 1010XL takes you to the NFL Scouting Combine. Hodges Mazda presents the Frangie Show, live from Indy. Brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida. Ooh, what a week it's been. Been phenomenal. Glad you're with us, Frangie and Carlion. With you, we're just getting warmed up. <laughs> just warming up. Uh, Lauren Brooks is on vacation. RJ Saunders back at World Headquarters. Me has been on the road with us, checking in on both our show and Prime Time, and done a terrific job with their, our digital uh, content. Done a wonderful job with that. Um, more NFL talk coming tomorrow. Like you said, uh, the corners are here tomorrow. It'll be a lot of time. We'll talk to a lot of prospects tomorrow on the program. Matt Taylor from the Colts to complete the division. Of play-by-play guys will join us. Denny Thompson, our Denny Thompson is here. Bucky Brooks is stopping by tomorrow. Oh, we've got an awful lot of folks that we're going to catch up with uh, tomorrow. Uh, Andrew Barry, not Andrew Barry, Matthew, uh, Matthew Barry, Matthew Barry, Barry yep. talking fantasy football with you. So uh, we will be loaded up with uh, athletes and guests and a whole lot tomorrow as well. Some quick basketball thoughts. Let's start with the A-Sun. The A-Sun basketball standings look like this, at least for our teams. <clears throat> UNF currently with two games to play in the Sun is 8-6 and six in the league. They are comfortably in the Atlantic Sun Tournament. If they win twice and get to 10-6 and six and they're at home both games, they very well could be a two-seed. And if they get that, that's possible. At worst, a three-seed. But if you're a two-seed, you get a double bye or you get you get to play at home and uh, other teams play on your court. So that's a great, great circumstance to be in. Uh, they are in the tournament. They would love to host a home game. They don't have to worry about not being in the tournament. Ten of the 12 teams go to the conference tournament. JU is 5-9. and nine. They are two spots. Uh, they're they're ahead. They're in, they're in tenth place. Central Arkansas is eleventh at five and ten. Bellarmine is twelfth at four and ten. Uh, Ju wins twice. They're in the tournament. If Ju splits, they're probably in the tournament. But you don't know because they've got the tiebreaker over Central Arkansas. Uh, so win once and you're probably in. Win twice, you're easily in. If Ju gets beat twice, they may or may not be in. And so that's the circumstance. So JU certainly in good position, uh, at least better than they were before. Tonight in um, in, t- in tonight's games, let me find a schedule. Just had it right here. Hang on, hang on. Where's my schedule? Tonight's games, UNF is at home. UNF plays against where was Stetson, I right? Stetson, yeah. UNF is at, and then Gulf no, Coast. No, UNF is at home against Gulf Coast. Okay, and then JU is at home against Stetson. And Both seven o'clock starts. Gulf Coast at UNF, Stetson at JU. Those are tonight's games. Then on Friday they just flop. Gulf Coast is at JU. Stetson is at UNF. Obviously the traveling teams probably just stay here. If that winds up happening, if uh, if UNF and JU both win, they're both in the tournament. I wonder if they could play each other. I guess they could. They could, yeah, because they, they, could. they could be UNF could be the three. And uh, JU could be the seven. Yeah, so they could wind up playing each other. So JU and UNF both at home tonight. Stetson at North Florida, Gulf Coast at JU, and then again they flop them 
on Friday night. Good luck to both the Ospreys and the Dolphins. I hope they both win the games, and uh, I'll be keeping an eye on that. We'll be following that uh, as best we can. The Gators play at home against Missouri. Missouri's 0-14 in the league. Yeah, and that's, that certainly makes you nervous because yeah. you just don't feel like anyone's going to lose them all. Yeah, a program like that's going to lose every single one of their conference yeah. games, and, and obviously there aren't that many left. Uh, so, yeah, but Florida is a, a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. Missouri hasn't won since, like, December 30th. Like against, at all. Against anybody. Against anybody. They haven't won in this calendar year. Yeah. And so uh, it's, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Nick Saban was still coaching Alabama when right. uh, the, when Missouri wow. got his last They're one. Eight and nine. Um, Florida's 19-8 and eight overall, 9-5 yeah. in the league. Missouri 8-19 and 19 overall and 0-14. Oh yeah. So, I mean, obviously this should be one for Florida tonight that they're they're able to get. What's fascinating to me is how, and we've talked about this, the SEC in basketball has gotten awesome. Yeah. Last night you had Kentucky with an amazing victory over Mississippi State in thrilling fashion with that unbelievable freshman, uh, uh, Shepard, right. uh, having the heroic slate. The slate they have tonight, really the Florida game is the bad game because the other three games in conference, you've got Auburn going to Tennessee. That's a battle of two heavyweights. That's at 7 o'clock. You've got South Carolina going to Texas A&M, and a massive game for A&M as they're trying to get off the bubble and get back into the tournament. And that game's big for South Carolina, too, because they're fighting to get that double by a top-four seed where they're in right now, but Kentucky's nipping on their heels. Florida's right there. If Florida holds serve tonight, then Kentucky and Florida really close to South Carolina. So that South Carolina-Texas A&M game's really interesting. And then the nightcap is Alabama at Ole Miss, and Ole Miss is – played their way out of the tournament after a sizzling start in conference play. So, But if they can beat Alabama tonight at home, then then that is a huge boost to them uh, getting back onto the right side of things. And, uh, and obviously Alabama fighting for the league title now. It looks like it's between Alabama and Tennessee. Uh, Auburn has the easier path, so if, if Auburn could win at Tennessee tonight – then they might be able to run the table the rest of the way. Well, and maybe they game. win the SEC. But, I mean, how often have we talked about a big night in SEC basketball, uh, particularly when there was a good game the night prior? But really tonight, you, you could uh, – I mean, it, particularly if you're a Florida fan, you're going to watch the Gators. You've really got four really right. compelling games tonight in the SEC, which, I mean – in my lifetime, that has not happened very often, but yeah. that's that speaks to the depth of the league this year. Yeah, the SEC is probably going to have six teams with double-digit wins in the league: Tennessee, Alabama, South Carolina, Auburn, and Kentucky are already there. Florida's nine and five, and all likelihood will not only win tonight, but will win again. And so that's the, the, the circumstance they are in. It'll be interesting to see. Alabama, the toughest thing Alabama's got going for it, they got to go to Florida. Yeah, and, the, and if you're trying to win that, that may be the toughest game left. For for the for the the real contenders is the uh, I mean, South Carolina plays Florida, but they get them at home. Alabama's got to go to Florida, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll watch the game tonight. But I would think Florida wins tonight, and then it gets interesting because then the next two games are at South Carolina, and home against Alabama before the end of season on the road at Vanderbilt. And again, we brought up this stat uh, a couple weeks ago. Florida ends up losing to Alabama, uh, then they obviously beat Vandy, so we're back to it. If Florida beats Missouri tonight, they will be 500 in SEC play for their program history for the first time in 88 years. Isn't that amazing? It really is amazing stuff. One of the bit of news for today, the uh, city and the jumbo ship announced uh, really cool renovations to the ballpark, uh, the baseball grounds, 
uh, one-to-one financial stadium, and of course that's uh, Bregan Field down there. Uh, $31.8 million is what the city's putting into this. Uh, they've already taken down the right field uh, wall. They're going to make it shorter and higher. Uh, they're going to put a little parking deck or a little uh, kind of a bar deck out there in right field. There's going to be a, a, a store where you can buy goods, merchandise store. Uh, center field is going to be magnificent. So they're building an awful lot into the right field and center field part of the ballpark. And it's going to be absolutely gorgeous. It's generational, as they call it. Mayor Deegan was there today for that ribbon cutting, or certainly that announcement, I should say. And I know Ken Babby and, and the general manager, Harold Craw, were there as well. They're, they're good folks. I promise you that. And so congratulations to them. Ken will join us on the program next week. Again, he was going to come on today. But I said, you know what? we got all the football going on today. Let's do it next week when, there, when there's not as much stuff going on. And we can really spend some time talking about uh, the changes made to the stadium. So I think we're all we're all excited about the fact that those changes are coming. I love the ballpark already. Yeah, and now I, it's going to be yeah, amazing. Absolutely, I do as well. And so I'm really excited about it. It's been what a great week it's been in baseball. Right. You know, going back to last week with uh, walk off and and now this announcement. So again, we talk about the the rich baseball tradition and all the talent that comes out right. of this city. And uh, it's it's been spectacular. These two facilities. It really is kind of cool. That the they both have the Bregan name, which is cool. That the Bregan Baseball Complex, our new walk-off facility, which is an all-turf, three-field complex for youth baseball, high school, and the like. We're even going to play a junior college game there too, by the way, um, coming up in March. So we've got a lot of that. That that got announced, and not even a full week later, uh, the baseball grounds, the uh, one-to-one financial baseball uh, park, uh, and Bregan Field uh, also got. A, they're going to get a facelift too. You're right. This is a great baseball city. I've always said it. The amount of major leaguers that have come out of here, the amount of college players that have come out of here, and more importantly, just the level of youth baseball that's played here. How, how, how the state titles. Yeah, the state titles that have come out of here. It's really, really good stuff, so we're excited about that. All right, let's say hello to Rick Below. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. Rick Palou is here joining us. Uh, Rick, how are you, buddy? I'm great. Uh, absolutely, uh, arguably yeah. the greatest day of the year uh, here. Just absolutely yeah. perfect uh, back in Duval. What a what a wonderful day. So uh, that puts me in an outstanding mood. I'm I'm really excited about the next two hours. Okay, well, Rick, you you'd enjoy it here. It's about 22 degrees out there, Rick, <laughs> and I'm not I'm not exaggerating. With wind, we're 22 and wind is what we got out here. Rick, yeah. we, did, uh, did you the, figure the out how back- to Did you figure out how to walk indoors? Unlike the year you and I were the only two people on <laughs> planet Earth that took the entire <laughs> trip from the hotel room to the convention center. <laughs> we did. We absolutely did all the indoors. Neither one of hey, us uh, had Rick, winter jackets, uh, I don't think, when that happened. But that that and, was a few. And years everybody ago. else is walking indoors. Everyone's they're going off. Yeah. Rick and I didn't know how, so we're right, just outside. Yeah. Um, Rick, they had linebackers and linemen that came through here today. Yeah, five Seminoles were here. Yeah. Five in just two in just two positions. Twelve overall will be here. I don't know that I was. You did obviously. I don't know that I truly appreciated how talented that FSU team was. It it wasn't smoke and mirrors and just good coaching and and Jordan Travis's magic. Man, that was a talented veteran football team, wasn't it? It was, and four of those five all came to Florida State via the transfer portal. It's it's really amazing. They could have three defensive backs uh, selected as well, one of which isn't even there in safety, Akeem Dent. I was surprised that he was left back in Tallahassee. But, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to replace uh, eight starters. 
defensively, obviously all of their offensive production uh, with, with Travis and Benson and Wilson and Coleman and Bell, uh, they're all gone. But, um, you know, that's, that's the, the world that we now live in. Uh, even though Urban Meyer told us at the start of the year that, <laughs> that uh, this would be a rebuild season for Florida State and that they would really they were be on. a year away, Yeah, right? they were a year away from winning a national. <laughs> this year, I mean, the great analysis from Urban Meyer was just Florida State returned the most offensive production in college football in 2023. And Urban Meyer is the main analyst is telling everyone they're in a rebuild and they're a year away. Well, they're clearly going to be in a rebuild this year. But this is where we'll find out. Um, you know, Mike Norvell, again, hit with the transfer portal. He's bringing in better players now than he's won with before. He's been winning with three-star players. And you know what? You look at those transfer portal kids I just mentioned, it's not like they were blowing people away at the schools that they were at before they got to Tallahassee. So that's the most encouraging thing there. I think Mike Norvell and his staff is uh, is proving right now that they can make players better, they can develop them, and hopefully that'll be the case uh, this year. But, uh, yeah, you got a chance to see some really good players out there today, no doubt. Yeah, I heard Urban said next year they're going to be loaded with veteran talent, right? <laughs> I heard that's what he said. <laughs> yeah, ne- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Urban Meyer, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's coming, what's coming up uh, tonight? Yeah, right? yeah, you guys were there yesterday when when uh, Doug Peterson's you know talking about all three rookie quarterbacks in the AFC South and how this division is really stacked. I I thought to myself right then I was like, can you imagine if Urban Meyer was asked about the other quarterbacks in the AFC South? I mean, he'd be bringing up uh, you know uh, no pun intended. He'd be bringing up uh, the late Steve McNair. He'd be bringing up. Uh, I mean, <laughs> He would have absolutely no clue on how to answer. You know, yeah, David Carr looks like he's doing real well as a quarterback in Houston. But anyway, I, oh, I, I hey, I thought yesterday good. was really good. You asked me what I yeah. thought, and I know I, I heard yeah. you guys, and I, I enjoyed your interviews as well with, with Trent and, uh, and Doug. But I got much more out of yesterday than I thought I would, so that's a really good thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of fun out here, Rick, and I know you'll be talking about a lot tonight. Rick, thanks, buddy. That was it. Rick Rick Blue goes into the night. That comes up right now. Uh, Tomorrow, back here at the Combine, day three for us. Uh, Hayes and I will be here. Mia will be here as well. Uh, Defensive backs and a whole lot more and a lot of guests coming up on the program. Don't go anywhere. Rick Blue goes into the night right now. For Hayes, for the absent Lauren, for RJ, and for Mia who traveled with us, I'm Frank Frangie. So long.